Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. And you will see in the front of the Independent this morning that they're shaping up really as to, you know, what will happen because last week we had a very big poll come out again uh, for Sinn Féin, way ahead of any other political party and indeed political leader. But the, the only answer that, say, the sitting government at the moment can come up with to take on the might of Sinn Féin, say, for instance, if there was an election this week, is for the three political parties to stay together in a grand coalition. That's why the headline has a story from uh, the Finance Minister, Pascal Donner, who was asked about this at the weekend, and he said, we will be asking the voters to re-elect the grand coalition. So that would be your Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil and the Green Party. Um, still, the only way that they could do that is, is by staying together as one group. Uh, because that's the only way that they're significantly ahead of Sinn Féin if you add them all together. <laughs> it's it's a bit taft, I know. But that's the, I suppose, that's the only calling card apart from saying that they've handled the last two years as best as anybody could have handled the last two years. That's a front page you're making the Independence Day. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. Very sad news on Leaside uh, this morning after the weekend news of the death of the great Toddy O'Sullivan who died yesterday at the age age of 87. It's a lovely article in this morning's uh, Examiner talking about Toddy O'Sullivan. He was just a lovely, lovely guy. He was salt of the earth. He was uh, an out-and-out labour um, lover and indeed a very strong and staunch trade unionist. He was always about the, the working man and the family and the local community. And you know something, I remember way back in the day, he would top the poll time after time after time. And it, it seemed like for years and years and years, Toddy O'Sullivan did one thing. He kept on doubling his first preference votes. It was an astonishing achievement year in, year out. Uh, and in this morning's uh, examiner, Muhammad um, Martin says that he was one of nature's gentlemen and he'll be sadly missed. And, and that's so true. He was a lovely man to bump into. He really was for a chat. And, you know, it was just... Uh, he he was one of these great core characters and it's sad that he passed uh, at the weekend and our thoughts are with all of his family. Of course, Marty Morrissey's mother's funeral makes all of the papers this morning. There are pages and pages dedicated to it right across the Red Tops today. But the Examiner also carries that story. But the Red Tops go into detail. I think Marty did the most beautiful homily yesterday at our funeral mass. He He really and truly did sum her up. Not in a few words, but in many paragraphs. But every single word from Marty... Uh, was at the weekend was was well chosen. He said her motto her motto was always uh, don't get a big head and keep your feet firmly on the ground, which is a great m- message, I suppose, uh, and a way to live your life and a good thing to tell your children. Or she might say to him, she would say, would you ever come back home and go back teaching? Because for many people. They believe that the profession, say, that we're in or that I'm in isn't actually a real job at all. And it could all end in the morning. And, and you know, that's why parents would always be saying, you need to get a real job. You need to get something that, you know, will you know, give you a wage every week and ideally a pensionable job. Um, and we also can claim her, uh, to be honest with you, Peggy, because she was originally from Mallow in County Cork uh, and apparently flew the Cork flag proudly. So very sad. But Marty did a bang-up job uh, at the weekend uh, with regards to laying his wonderful mum to rest. Meanwhile, of course, uh, good old COVID-19 makes the papers today. You wouldn't believe it, but apparently the uh, mail this morning has a survey where they spoke to thousands of people. It's probably one they did online, I suppose. Uh, aged, aged 40 and upwards were those that were asked the question. And the majority of people, apparently 55% of those surveyed, believe that, um, that there should be a mandatory COVID vaccination um, how you do that? I mean, I assume they're not saying you need to pin people to the table and actually inject them. 
but you need to put, I suppose, some kind of process in place that they couldn't go to work or they absolutely could never go anywhere at all until they were vaccinated. But there's a headline in the mail this morning, public back mandatory vaccine. A couple of interesting other ones then regarding uh, the uh, vaccine, or at least one of them with regards to COVID-19. Well, two, to be honest with you. One makes the overnight independent. This is just online this morning where a pub landlord used a customer's phone number. Apparently, she obviously gave the number for track and trace. And then he ended up sending her creepy messages, telling her things like she had a super pretty face. He sent her a text message when he got his number from the COVID track and trace when she filled it in. He said, you've got a super pretty face, so you're allowed to not wear a mask at the bar. Everyone else must wear one. So you remember we've been talking recently about that when the track and trace came in and people were worried about giving details like that and having them on show on a table going into a restaurant on a bar, your mobile number. Well, there's the result in that. And there's another one then that comes in from uh, New Zealand, I saw it, where some guy um, went around uh, getting jabbed in New Zealand um, for money. And on one particular day alone, unbelievably, he had himself vaccinated 10 times. Uh, 10 times in one day, allegedly being paid to receive the jabs by no, nine other people. I don't know whether he's going to be prosecuted or not, but they're saying it was an unbelievably selfish thing to do and possibly for him quite dangerous as well. And the papers also this morning talked to MABS, the Money Advice and Budgeting Service. That's the state's debt advisory branch can help people who get into debt issues. They're saying that thousands and thousands more Irish families will actually be starting the new year now with crippling debt because of overspending at Christmas. Sometimes it's not intentional. Sometimes it's just pressure to provide and to put other things on the long finger. You know, saying, okay, I'll pay that next year. I'll pay that in the new year. I really need to concentrate at Christmas time. I really need to look after the children and buy them whatever they need. Sometimes, of course, many times it's way too much than they ever need. Um, But the paper this morning says that last year, many people's financial circumstances were better because they didn't have childcare. Um, You know, they didn't have schools. Therefore, there was a lot less expense. But since all of these things have returned... On top of the perfect storm with the rise of cost and diesel and fuel and electricity and utility bills and people's wages not going up at all, the pressure of Christmas this time around is an awful lot worse. Papers also say that Christmas is going to be a less boozy affair um, this year because apparently low alcohol versions of many of your favorite drinks are booming this year. So it's not just the, um, you know, lagers of the past, but you can get low alcohol and zero alcohol stout as well. Don't know about the gins and the the vodkas and stuff like that. I don't even know if they brought out a zero alcohol vodka. I know they did gin, gin and God knows you wouldn't touch a zero alcohol wine. But apparently um, lager and stout non-alcoholic versions of them have risen by 120% apparently. It gives you great freedom, you know. No hangover the next day. Sometimes they can taste just as good as the alcoholic version. And of course you can drive home. I'll come back to this a little later. There's a story in the Echo today about the great Joseph Byrne. That's Joe Byrne from Joseph's Hair Salon. And he treated 75 people to free haircuts, Christmas dinner and presents at a special event on the Glashine Road for people in need yesterday. So more on that. And it's great to see the newspapers pick up on it. But two very interesting ones for you. And I may well come back to these later on. Do you know we were talking recently about dangerous dogs and dogs that attack? And of course, a lot of the time it has to do with dogs on the dangerous dogs list but should it actually because this the weekend I was reading in the Saturday Telegraph um, I hope you get your seatbelt on that only 20% of offences are committed by banned breeds 
The other 80% of dog attacks and bites and all that kind of stuff, 80% of them are non-list dogs in the sense that they're not on the dangerous list. Only 20% of those reported, say, to the Met in the UK with regards to offences committed by dogs, are on the banned breed. So what are they doing in the UK? They could well and truly rip up the dangerous dogs list because they're saying that perhaps it's true that the breeds are not to blame. They have a new report out now, which was commissioned, concludes that it's the owners and not the breeds that are to blame. So the, the Independent was, sorry, the Telegraph on Saturday was saying that this could mean that it would be no longer illegal to own fighting dog breeds, including pit bulls, um, and that um, really that the responsibility should shift from taking the dog away or putting the dog down to actually the owner of the dog. I think that's incredible. So many people have been... It, it gets very emotional on the air when we deal with that topic. So I'd love your thoughts on that. Text 0868104106. And here's somebody that got a suspended sentence, and not for the first time. This was in Saturday's Telegraph as well. It's a woman by the name of Vicky Holland. She pleaded guilty in the UK to three offences against the Welfare of Animals Act because video footage emerged of her trying to attempt to entice her pet monkey, one of the tiny monkeys. Do you pronounce it marmoset? Small little monkey. She was trying to get the monkey to lick cocaine off her fingers. Um, And at one stage, um, she uh, tried to flush the monkey down the toilet. Uh, and there's video footage of a very, very scared, tiny little monkey hanging on to the inside of the toilet bowl. It's awful. She pleaded guilty. She got a suspended sentence, apparently. Mind you, she did get suspended sentences in the past. She previously appeared in court in May of this year where she was ordered to pay more than €4,000 fine over hiding cocaine in kinder eggs, apparently. And for that, she also got a suspended sentence. That's a cross-section of the papers for you, both online and in print. And don't even talk to me about happened what happened uh, to Lewis Hamilton at the weekend. All I know is there's blue murder about it. It makes all of the red tops today that he was robbed of his Formula One title by a fellow called Max Verstappen because um, of uh, some crash on the track. Uh, and then when they restarted it, all of the other cars were allowed to catch up from behind the, uh, the, the safety car or something. There's murder over it and all the papers are talking about it today. Lines open at one 850 The Neil Prenderville Show. I actually think that Formula One is one of those sports that goes somewhat under the radar. Vast amounts of people, including a lot of my friends, are just absolutely focused on Formula One more than any other sport uh, and will sit for hours watching it. And you don't hear about it as much as you do, say, for instance, soccer or rugby, but it's hugely popular. Anyway, text 086 Pick up the phone on one 850 I want to get stuck right in because... Um, I was reading all about this at the weekend because the lad sent me some screen links of a beautiful story from 1975, probably back in the day when Merchant's Key was two-way. But in 1975, we also had buses that had both a driver and a conductor. If you don't know what that's all about, I'll get JJ to explain all of that as well. It's a lovely, lovely story of how the driver and the conductor um, stopped the bus to come to the aid of somebody who was in the river. JJ, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Lovely story and one or two beautiful photographs to go with it. But what is the backstory to it all? Um, I, like, it's a, it's a story all about my dad, uh, who was the bus driver with me. I've been him for years. And we've had folks for a good few years now. Um, and, like, 
it's yeah, it's something we grew up with, but we never really talked much about it. And there was um, a few years after it happened, like I don't even know the day, she got the bravery award. He got a bravery award at City Hall, and we had that um, the certificate hanging in the hallway, um, and that's all we kind of had. But I think that might have even been in Latin. Sorry, can you move around a bit there, if you don't mind, JJ? It's sorry, great, the yeah. reception out here in Douglas isn't great. Um, so yeah, we just knew once to help out a lady but that's all we kind of knew and then a few years back um, we got the photo I don't even know how we got it and uh, one of my brothers put it up on the wall in their house so and it's a great photo as you've probably seen like your dad really, John O'Donoghue yeah. was he the conductor? no no he's the driver he was the driver so Pat Moynihan was the conductor yeah yeah and to, for to people too young to understand what was the conductor? so he was taking all right, I'll come back after the break, see if we can clean that up. Hang in there, back in a minute. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, make the most of festive moments this Christmas with our award-winning Tesco Finest Range. Tesco, every little helps. There's something about Christmas. There's something about it that creeps inside and finds the child in you. I was having a look around the shops to see what Santa might be bringing the boys, and there was this train set, full style, black engine with maroon stripe, green and black carriages, all set up like And the sound it made, soft, yet it cut right through all the space-agey screeches in the place. And I remembered another Christmas morning, waking up, the windows frosted over with cold, you could see your breath. And the thing that woke me was that sound. And I didn't dare hope. Sliding out of bed, cold at the floor. And there it was, going round and round on the bedroom rug. I ran down, could barely speak. Mum and Dad were sitting there. What is The teapot covered in that knitted cosy and the smell of hot, leaky tea. You'll never guess what Santa brought. You'll never guess what Santa brought, I said. Well, doesn't that beat well, Banner? doesn't that beat Banner, said train my set, no less. train set, no isn't less. Isn't Santa the smart fella? Isn't Santa the smart fella? Turn the moment gold with Barry's Gold Blend Tea. So last night, when I came home with the train set, Mary couldn't believe it. Martin, she, that's not what they wanted. She was not what they wanted at all, she said. Santa'll bring them what they want, I said. This is from me. Put the kettle on, we'll have a cup of tea. Make everyone's Christmas merry and bright with the perfect gift. At CompuBe, we have a few bright ideas of our own to help you make this Christmas truly special. From iPad to AirPods, Apple Watch to MacBook, we have all the latest from Apple and the expertise to make sure you choose a gift they'll never forget. When you think Apple, think CompuBe, your local Apple expert. Visit your local store or CompuBe.com. If you're aged 50 or over, it's time for your COVID-19 vaccine booster. Without one, you're more at risk of serious illness from COVID-19. Your booster will give you the best possible protection. When your booster is due, the HSC will send your appointment by text message. People in this group can also come to a walk-in vaccination clinic or contact a participating pharmacy or GP. Visit hsc.ie for clinic times and locations near you. From the HSE. 
Christmas can be a tough time for many, and this year we want to make sure there's a place at the table for everyone. Donated Dinner helps Corkpenny Dinners provide for those who need it most. Let's make sure no one goes hungry or alone this Christmas. Visit redfm.ie forward slash donated dinner. A Red FM and Insight Insurance Initiative in aid of corkpennydinners.ie. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. Oh, actually, just in case I forget, I got a lovely letter in the post from uh, Paddy uh, again. Um, and he was telling me that Tony Highland has fitted yet another security system at Highland Securities. He continues to do great work under the radar, unbeknownst to many people. Uh, and Paddy O'Brien got in touch with me to say that Tony Highland's Highland Security fitted two more uh, alarm systems and security systems uh, for senior citizens recently. And he said, uh, would you ever just give him a shout out? Because the woman, that one particular woman he said that he fitted the system for last week said, I now have peace of mind having the alarm in. She said, it's like having another person living in the house with me. So Neil, please give him a mention, Tony and all of the staff, for the wonderful generosity to the elderly. And I am doing that because he continues to do it very, very quietly, like many car companies do under the radar. So take a bow, everybody at Highland Security. Paddy sent me a lovely letter to say that you continue to do good for the elderly and those living alone. So I'm very grateful for it. Now, let me let me see if that's any better. Can you hear me, JJ? I can, Neil. Can okay, you super, super stuff. So this is a story, of course, that goes back to 1975. And they're driving up... Um, what bus was it, the number three? That was the Toker the bus, was it, if I remember correctly? It was, yeah. They were coming from... They were on the way to Ballyvillan, or maybe it was Farnry. One or the other. Well, either Ballyvillan or Farnry. That was the old yeah. It's the 203 now. So what happened? Yeah. Yeah, they're just passing along and um, and there was a bit of a commotion on the key and I think they were either early or late, probably late as most buses were back then. And um, <laughs> I see the phone just pulled up to the cab and told him, like, they could kind of see, you know, they were crawling along in traffic. And um, he told his conductor, Pat Moynan, he'd go have a look. So they probably just stalled the bus. And he went over to the quayside and, yeah, a woman had fallen in. So he just, she just he jumped in. Um, and then I think afterwards there was another... Okay, all right. Okay, so with the best efforts in the world, we can't make it happen, so apologies for that. You could well be stuck with me this morning, guys, um, but that's not too bad. I suppose I have a lot to say, as I do with the best of times. And when things improve at some stage in the future, I'll finish that conversation with JJ and many or be, many more besides. But we still have a lot to do, and a lot of it is to do, of course, with the C word. And I don't mean COVID. I'm clearly talking about Christmas and all things Christmassy. So I'm going to get stuck into some more of the Christmas memories and nostalgia and stuff like that across the morning and lots more besides but I think we're in tune or we're due a Christmas tune Okay, it's our final day of our Just Like Home Hampers because the one or two that we have left, we need to get them in the post ASAP. So you can still, if you want to order directly yourself, get in touch with justlikehome.ie. I'd love to send a hamper to my sister, Dara Kremen, in New York. She lives there with her husband, Niall, and their kids, Aaron and Brooke, and their puppy, Bailey. It's been two tough years for them, with both of them losing their beloved mams, moving house and COVID. But they're always upbeat and positive about everything. They all love their potatoes, their chocolates, and their berries. Tea. And recently, their Irish shop in New York closed down, weirdly. I'd love to surprise them with a hamper. It would be the icing on the cake. Please make sure there are some doggy treats in it. There aren't. 
We have two sons, Stephen and Alan O'Brien, both living in Australia. One in Brisbane, the other in Broad Beach. We haven't seen them in over two years. They've been living there for nine years. One is a citizen, the other's a permanent resident. So two sons down in Oz. We'd love if you could send them a hamper. Maybe they'd, cho- maybe they'd share it. Thanks for the email, Tom. Happy Christmas to you all. Absolute love you sent a hamper to my brother Dave and sister-in-law Courtney in Boston. Love them to bits. They had their first little baby, beautiful Aiden, last Saturday, the 4th of December. And I'm an auntie for the first time. And so proud as Dave is my only brother and we miss them so much and send them big hugs. And that's from Noreen Murphy by email. My son Stephen, says Margot, went to Canada with his girlfriend Jessica in 2019. At the time, we were in the process of selling our home, so he left the home he lived in all his life, and we moved to a new home. So we miss him so much, and we need him to come home soon and make some memories in our new home. But that will be the second Christmas away now, and he hasn't met his niece yet. He listens to your show every day, and he'd be thrilled to receive a hamper from home. And that's a lovely email from Margot. One or two more. Don't know if it's the right email address for the hamper from home but I have a daughter Deirdre Nee Ring who was living in Perth working as a doctor in a busy hospital. This is her third Christmas away from home and she's really looking forward to coming home as she was last year and again this year. We have a new addition to the family now. Beckett John O'Leary was born in October of 2020 and Deirdre can't wait to meet him. Uh, but not uh, not this year. My sister Maureen and her family are living in Perth and she's also a fan of the show and listens every single day. We can hear your show when she's on our calls um, and they should have been home for the last two years, like many, many people, and of course couldn't do so. So fingers crossed and toes crossed that they might come home in April. So a lot of people in New York, a lot of people in Boston, and lots all over Australia. My brother and kids and the wife, we haven't seen him since 2017 when we sadly buried my mother. Father, My father isn't able and was in a home for two years, so please come home to live with us now. <laughs> Myself and my family home. We still haven't made it over to see them, but we miss them so much, so maybe you could send them a hamper. You can actually tell me where they are, so wherever they are in the world, we send them best wishes, but thanks for the email, Linda. Uh, I'd love you to consider my son Stephen. Went to Canada in 19, shortly before we moved home. We have no memories of him uh, since then. And oh, Actually, that's two different emails from the same family, I think. And then one to France, to Kira, who's living in France, perhaps. Uh, she's a big fan of the show, listens every day. It makes her feel closer to home, she says. This will be her second Christmas not making her at home. Unfortunately, it won't be the same without them. She has two little girls, Camilla and Hajar, and due her third baby in March. While we may, while they may have been born in France, they love their Tato's and their Cadbury's chocolate. Sadly, we have to watch them grow up through FaceTime. Maybe 2022 will be better for us all. And that's a lovely email from Cora Ryan about her daughter, Kira. So we'll do a blast of uh, maybe three or four more between now and midday and then pick our final winners for our Just Like Home Hampers and see how it goes. Meanwhile, let me just try again. I'm a different for continuing to try and we'll see if those phone lines are, phone lines are any better. Monica! Morning, Neil. I, I've seen the, the photographs and God, are they ugly. Is it some competition you guys have as a family? No, it's, well, yes, I mean, it's just me and my sister, and it's been running for about, I don't know, 20 years, maybe, maybe more. Who can, who can find the ugliest Christmas decoration? Who can find the ugliest Christmas tree decoration? Ah, Yeah. For the last 20 years? Yeah, and it kind of started accidentally, um, she, we were, we were shopping together, and she found one that was just god ugly so I bought it for her and then it just started kind of from there and then she she bought me a really ugly one and 
each year has just been getting... Where does one buy ugly Christmas decorations? Well, we have... We've, we've had a problem some years. I mean, last year was the first year since it began that it didn't run because the shops were closed here and I just couldn't couldn't find anything. Um, it can't be anything that's handmade. It can't be anything that's doctored. It has to be something that a shop sells and somebody is prepared to buy. But over here, all the shops were kind of closed. So it was last year was the first year we couldn't do it, but yeah, it gets really tough every year. You know, and is she in Cork or is she in Ireland? She's not. She's she's in Perth. In Australia, and you're in in the UK. So it'd be pointless asking you what shops are good at selling this kind of tech. I'm here now. I've moved here. All right. Back. I've moved back back here, but um, but it ran for years when I was in England. When did you move back? Uh, 2019. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the competition just gets tougher and tougher. And then then it's kind of moved online um, on our Facebook and stuff like that. And we have people messaging us from November. When is the ugly Christmas tree competition this year? You know, we're really looking forward to it. My sister's won for about the last five years. Um, we've had, we, we kind of have, um, we go through peaks and troughs. You know, I might do three or four in a row and then Fran will do three or four in a row. And yeah, she's she's been getting some really good ones. Now, I have photographs of them and we're sharing the photographs up online to see if anybody can beat them for their ugliestness. But I actually failed to be able to come up with a description of any of them. They're that bad. I mean, I could have a stab at one of them, which looks like a melted Santa Claus that somebody perhaps put in the microwave. <laughs> that was a good one. That was one of friends, I think. Yeah, that was, that was one of friends. I think she won that year as well. And um, another one year, is another one is something resembling some kind of a female bauble with <laughs> with I don't know whether you'd call that hair or black cotton wool, um, <laughs> crooked eyes. Yeah, that I think that one was my one. <laughs> they just. You 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 didn't buy that. Nobody sold you that, though. Yeah, we we actually buy them. <laughs> how much and did you pay? Of, how much did you pay for that abomination? Oh, I mean, some of them can be as little as two euros, and then others will will pay a little bit more for. But one of my daughters works for BA, and she goes over. She's she's backwards and forwards to America. She does a lot of the transatlantic. And she FaceTimed me a few weeks back from Macy's going, Mom, what do you think of this? Is this ugly enough? And I'm like, no, that won't photograph ugly enough. No, that's no good. Um, so everybody, my sister has friends in America. I have friends in America and they get on the bandwagon and Fran's got her friends in Australia. There's one here of a gingerbread man with very bad teeth <laughs> two and two non-matching eyes. That's the night before Christmas. What? The night before Christmas. No, no, it's a gingerbread man with two yeah, yeah, odd yeah. eyes and bad teeth. Yeah, but it's from the night before Christmas. There was a wonky gingerbread man on the night before Christmas. It's got they're a bite actually, out of it. They're actually, they are proper Christmas tree decorations that somebody would buy. No, nobody yeah, would. You'd frighten weird. children. We're not allowed to doctor them. They can't be doctored in any way because you can always make something look uglier but that's not 
the point. The point is somebody has to sell it and somebody has to buy it. So where would you buy them in Ireland now that you're home? Oh, should I say? I mean, is there a shop? Is there a shop selling them? <laughs> should, should I say? Um, so deals in places like that is always really good, and Euro City is is very good as well. Guineas, Guineas have some doozies. Um, <laughs> Guineas and deals sell ugly Christmas car- tree decorations, do they? You have to go. You have to. You have. To they're not. They're not ones damaged in transit. Like they actually. No, 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 no. And uh, this year I was actually standing in, uh, I was shopping in Guyanese looking for the ugly Christmas tree decoration. And there was this poor woman came up next to me and I, I held this up and I, lo- I said to her, excuse me, but you think this is really ugly? And she looked and she was like, well, um, I don't know. <laughs> but I think she was probably thinking, who is this mad woman so, asking me if this is ugly? So how many do you have? Oh, well, we we can only put forward one each. Yeah, but over the years, you must have oh, 20, do I you? Mean, yeah, so many. So are they all up on the tree now? Uh, well, some of them are too ugly to put on the tree. Ah, that's a shame, because I would love a photograph of Cork's or the world's <laughs> ugliest Christmas decoration tree. No, I mean, a, f- a few of them I have on the back of my tree because they're <laughs> too ugly. Are they the ones so, facing the road, is it? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, no, 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 no. We don't want anybody to see them decorate. As my daughter always says, that the best decorations should go on the front of the tree facing into the sitting room or the and dining I room. I with her completely. Or the one fa- the- but why wouldn't you want the front of it with the good lights and the good decorations so it looks good so but you I impress the neighbours? I don't care what anybody else thinks about what's on my tree. It's what I'm looking at. I mean, at the moment, I have a very, very ugly squirrel on there that was a winner a few years back and just for prosperity I always put him on the back of the tree but honestly you wouldn't give it to your dog to play with it's just huh. disgusting okay well <laughs> we're sharing we're sharing this online to see if anybody can beat them like has anybody got any interesting items hanging from their Christmas tree quirky funny ugly Ugly, yeah. ideally, sentimental yeah. Christmas decorations. It's like last week, a caller said he had a Barbie head on the tree, just the Barbie head from when they were children. So he's got like a, a headless or a bodiless, torsoless doll. I so, just think, you know, everybody seems to be trying to outdo themselves with, you know, the loveliest Christmas tree. And look at our fabulous Christmas tree. And isn't it great? And there's me and Fran's Christmas tree with all these ugly dresses. Is there a prize in it every year? <laughs> Yeah. Is there a so, prize, no? Oh, no, no. There's, there, it's just for the kudos of being the winner. <laughs> I mean, I can't say I can't say who's who is topping the poll this year. Who, ju- the, the who judges it? Closes kind of around the around Christmas Eve. And who judges it? It's just the people vote A or B. So it's now become so serious that what we have to do is take pictures of the decoration on an A4 piece of paper so that nobody can say, well, that's Monica's house, so that's Fran's house. Oh, it's A or B, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. so it's, it's, it's decoration A or decoration B, and then people vote for A or B, and we count up the votes, and it's just for the kudos of winning. And you do that online, is it? 
Yeah, we do that on just on our social media. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, I can get those links from you if people want to vote. But I'd be, I'd be encouraging people to send me photographs of their ugly Christmas decorations too to see if any of them is ugly as yours. I've posted yours online. Come back to me and let me know which wins. Yours this year was what? Did you say it was... Uh... I can't tell you which one mine is because the competition is still open. Oh, okay. You're sworn to I secrecy. Know. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be seen as trying to... Egg the pudding. You want to egg the pudding. listening in Australia at the moment and... You know, she'd, she'd kill me if I tried to get some, some extra voice. Oh, well, do come back and let me know who wins, all right? I will. All right. I and mean, also, I'd encourage people to send me their um, efforts at the ugliest Christmas decoration or the quirkiest or the funniest or the most sentimental. We'll talk again then when the results are in, Monica, all right? Okay, no problem. I might have a chat with Fran at that stage also. Yeah, brilliant. She'd love that. Okay, yeah. take care for now. All right. Bye. Talking about egging the pudding, which she doesn't want to do, if I could just move from egging the pudding to the Christmas cake. Do you remember one of the um, Christmas memories that we had last week was from somebody who got in touch to say that their mother for years and years was saying of the, that the Christmas cake is now in the oven so you can't be banging doors and you have to stay very quiet because if you bang the doors or don't open the oven door or don't make loud noises the cake will sink or at least I suppose my interpretation of it was that the fruit would all sink to the bottom. And she told me on the air that that was just a myth, that it couldn't ever happen, and that her mam used to do it only for peace and quiet. But all our mams used to say the same thing. Brian is with the Baker Boy Cakes and joins me by phone to tell me if it's truth or fiction. Brian, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Good. So you're the cake maker. Do, does it happen? Um, two scenarios. One, if it's a light fruit cake because you don't have enough fruit in the cake, it can sink. Um, because they say before as well, you don't open the oven door for the first hour that you go when you put the cake in. But if it's a rich, a really rich fruit cake, then there's so much fruit inside it that fruit ain't going nowhere. Okay, but just with regards to opening the oven door, that's yep. because you the temperature drops or something, isn't the it? The temperature drops, and also let's say, I mean, way back then they say from when the tradition kind of like because I remember when my grandmother don't go near the oven door. But the ovens then were so heavy and what have you. If you open the oven door, like like you could nearly dislocate your shoulder, they were so heavy to open, do you know what I mean? And and you'd shake the oven and shake the cake inside, whereas now the oven doors are so I mean, modern and do you know I mean, open easy and stuff like that. So that has more to do with the temperature. But don't yeah. bang the doors, don't play loud music, don't shout. Where do they yeah. get that idea from? I, I, being honest, like, I just say... Because of the fruit, you think if there's a, like some rich, rich, or let's say Christmas cakes, they say when they're light, they're less fruit, so the ratio of fruit to batter is is higher, do you know what I mean? Or if there's a, the rich fruit cake, then the ratio of the fruit, rich fruit is higher, so it has nowhere to go. So, you know, I do it here myself, let's say if I'm making sultanic cakes here because there's only a small amount of fruit in it to the batter, I don't go near the oven or whatever, like for the first hour. Like. And do you go around on tippy toes and don't bang doors or play loud no, music you know, or turn, turn up the Christmas music? Here, like. What? I'd have music blaring here. <laughs> Even with a fruitcake in the oven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know whether to make out whether it was true or whether it was made up for a bit of peace and quiet in the house. Bit of both, I'd say. <laughs> what is it that you guys do at Baker Boy Cakes? Uh, Clearly I mean, baked cakes, but what kind? Yeah, mainly it's wedding cakes. I do a lot of, I mean, a lot of wedding cakes around the place. Um, occasional uh, birthday cakes and christenings and stuff like that. So what kind of a year have you had with not a whole lot of weddings? I tell you, being honest about it, when we did reopen, it was absolutely mental. You know what I mean? Like for a normal year, your normal weddings would be kind of like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, more so Friday, Saturday. 
but when everything did start to reopen because there was such a backlog from last year, weddings that moved to the early this year and then they moved into January or moved into during the summer, there was literally weddings every day and any day of the week. It, it didn't matter. There was one that was a wedding. And what, is matter. it a standard wedding cake that everybody goes for? Or a standard Christmas cake or, or what? I, you know what, these days, let's say, because like a lot of young people, when they, they don't like fruitcake. So it's not a same thing from chocolate biscuit to Madeira to red velvet, raspberry, white chocolate. A lot of them will get the fruitcake, you say, if the mother or the mother-in-law <laughs> just doesn't like to keep the piece. <laughs> but they don't like it, like, they'll tell you straight out. Like, it's, Why don't they like it? I don't know. I think it's... Is it too rich? Yeah, it's very rich. And it, no, I love it. And like that, I use my grandmother's recipe. And even when I'm soaking the fruit overnight to keep your cake really moist, if you put a tin of um, strawberries in it, tin strawberries in it, because you have the juice of the strawberries and the strawberries in it will keep your cake really, really moist as well. So That's a tip from your, from your granny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, I, I love Christmas cake, but I'm not a fan of the icing or the marzipan or the almond or anything. I peel all of that. I just want the fruit cake itself. Like, say, for instance, like um, like an Oxford lunch. Is That's got to be the most beautiful cake ever. You know, it's fairly straightforward. It's nice and light, loads of fruit. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Or like that, again, going back to Texas, all old recipes, like say for my grandmother and my mom that I use, my grandmother and my mom used to make a sultana cake and it's just like a normal Madeira mixed with brown sugar, sultanas, and like a bucket load of sherry inside in it. Oh, my God, but too much sherry, though, is very overpowering, I would think, wouldn't it be? Oh, no, in the fruit cake, it's just, it's divine. Absolutely divine, and there's nothing better than a slice of that with butter on top of it and a cup of coffee. And do you almond it then and ice it and everything? The sultana cakes, no, because like that, we prefer here just a slice of fruit cake. I know my wife, I I have to do it every year just for her, as I had to royal ice the cake, which is the old style royal icing, which she prefers. She doesn't like the royal out fondant. So I, I used to do one of them for her and one for my Because a lot of it is memories of your childhood and generations past. And for some, they love it, but for others, they can't wait to get away from it. And that's why younger generations aren't going for it at weddings, I suppose. You know, they never <laughs> liked it as a kid. Yeah, that's it. That's it exactly. I suppose maybe they were overfed with uh, kids. Think enough, but, but I like, think there's oh. nothing nicer than Christmas cake without the icing, uh, with butter. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, just gorgeous in a cup of tea. Absolutely, without a doubt. Like, do you know what I mean? And like now, this year I must say, like out of all the weddings I had, I think I've only done about five fruit cakes as part of wedding cakes. I've actually won next week, which is a fruit cake as well. But the majority would be your normal, like, do you know what I mean? modern cakes for want of a better word to know okay so give us the perfect Christmas cake then I imagine at this stage they're made are they don't you have to make them early and then they sit for a while isn't that the case are they made yeah, by you, now you could make them anything up to three, four, five, six months ahead and Go then ahead. just let's say once it is made let's say every once a month and pour your brandy or whiskey or whatever over when do you when do you do that um it went, like I make mine about three months ago um, Jeremy, I didn't do there's about three of them here for the house and what have you and family and friends and make them about three months ago when they come out of the oven straight out of the oven pour whiskey over them because that will burn the alcohol into the fruit again let's say Jeremy went is nice and warm but and that's a whiskey them. cake then isn't it no? Yeah, whiskey. You can use whiskey, brandy. It doesn't really. Do you know what I mean? Before I used to remember making them with pochine. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it just depends, like you know. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be able to drive after it? Oh, God, no. <laughs> so, look, people want to be very careful. Then we they visit anybody's house and they're driving as to exactly what's in the Christmas cake then, wouldn't they? 
over those though because like when you're going to unwrap your Christmas cake let's say when you're getting ready to ice it especially if you're steeping it like the whiff of alcohol yeah, because like a guard at a checkpoint wouldn't take that as an excuse to let you drive on well I only had three slices of Christmas cake I, I doubt it very much <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't get very far in that one All right. listen great chatting with you pal good luck to you and everybody at Baker Boy Cakes appreciate you taking the call not a bother thank you very cheers, much cheers Brian happy Christmas this is the Neil Prenderville Show tweet the show at Neil Red FM 104 to 106 Red FM And you can pick up the phone on 1-850-104-106 and right across this week we've got some great gifts to give away it's your opportunity to pick up one of them courtesy of ourselves and the Blue Haven Collection so some wonderful 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 prizes for you Today we are giving away three vouchers for an overnight stay for two at the Blue Haven Hotel in Kinsale These vouchers are redeemable and usable midweek so these are three vouchers for an overnight stay for two. That's three prizes across the day today. Tomorrow then we'll be doing something similar for the luxury Georgian Old Bank townhouse in Kinsale. And then on Wednesday, three more winners again of 100 euro vouchers for the Blue Haven Collection. And you can use them and spend them in any of the Blue Haven Collection outlets. Uh, And on Thursday, more overnight stays, three of them again for the Blue Haven in Kinsale. And on Friday, a bottomless brunch for six of you to enjoy in the sheltered wall garden of Vicky's in Sundayswell. Now, Vicky's in Sundayswell is a culinary gem in the heart of Cork and it's part of the Blue Haven collection. I haven't been up there, but I'm hearing great things about it. They specialise in super brunches and bottomless brunches. You know where the old post office was? Well, it was the old post office and beside what is now the new post office. So it's just there, like a short walk from the city and up through, if you want to go for a nice stroll ahead of it, go through Fitzgerald's Park and across the Shaky Bridge and they've got beautiful sheltered wall gardens. So they're wonderful, wonderful prizes and they haven't held back on these prizes this week and that's the terrific thing about it. So we have three winners today when we open the phone lines a little later on this morning and it's fairly straightforward I have to say there's no big deal involved in this. You're literally listening out for a, a cue to call. And it is, of course, the cue to call of uh, sleigh bells. So, you know what a sleigh bell sounds like, but in case you've forgotten. That's the deal. Callers 10, 11 and 12. Sometime between now and midday, win today's prize, courtesy of ourselves in the Blue Haven Collection. And that's three winners of overnight stays for two at the Blue Haven Hotel in Kinsale. Listen out for the sleigh bells. We're back after 10. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Well, I want to say thank you so much to the Barrack Street Band and to the Cork Academy of Music in partnership with uh, Music Generation Cork City um, and particularly uh, to Billy O'Callaghan who organised it for me. Gráinne got to sing uh, with the Barracka across the weekend in seven different schools. So we really did live up to our promise because she sang with George Patterson in the Roaring Forties and she's also got to sing with the brass band, the brass wind percussion band that is the um, uh, Barrack Street Band and the Cork Academy of Music in seven different schools uh, across hundreds of children right across the weekend. So I'd say Gráinne is absolutely chuffed and they're going to connect with her again in the new year um, for her to sing Proud Mary in City Hall as part of the Lord Mayor's Community Heritage Concert. So that's terrific news. So delighted to be able to deliver deliver on that. And I want to say thank you particularly to Billy O'Callaghan for putting all that together for us. Now, Dawn says, just received a phone call from my mum, who's an avid listener to your show. She was telling me about the quilt 
that was made from clothes belonged to Neil's bereaved mother-in-law. My mum lost her mum in 2019 and was emotional hearing the idea of such a keepsake. She thought it was such a beautiful thing. Anyway, Neil, I'm emailing on her behalf to inquire as to where I might be able to source a quilt like this for her. Well, I can just... Maybe you didn't hear it. It was perhaps your, your mam had heard it and told you about it. Or your your mam's story but well I don't know who would make it for you I'm quite sure that there's somebody who who isn't involved in fashion or indeed is very good with a sewing machine or whatever could do it um, but I know in our case it was uh, my wife and her sister Anne um, came up with the idea. Actually, I'm all wrong. My wife knew nothing about it. Now that I think of it, it was given to her as a, as a special gift, as a surprise. It was my daughter, Kathy, and um, my wife's sister, Anne. And it was Anne actually made it from clothing belonged to the great uh, Kitty Lenehan. So it was like jackets and, and skirts and blouses and jumpers. And it was made into a big multicoloured quilt. So it was Anne made it and did a beautiful job of it and lined it and everything and it's beautifully done. So it wasn't actually done uh, by anybody who made it, um, you know, where they were paid and given the clothing to do it. So I hope that answers your question, Dawn. It was done uh, by family members and then given to my wife as, as a gift, as a, as a surprise and she absolutely loves it and uses it all of the time. So maybe there's somebody that actually does it for people. There might be a company or somebody who's their own like little cottage industry doing these kind of things, quilt quilt from a loved one's clothing. It's a beautiful idea. I think it's gorgeous. So if there is, perhaps somebody might like to get in touch. Uh, And if nobody's doing it, uh, there's a business opportunity there for you because I think people would really and truly do it if they knew that somebody was making them. Now, another one or two. My parents are 50 years married uh, on the 11th. So I'm sorry, I should have done this on Friday. It was for Saturday. My apologies. Would you please congratulate them on air? That's Kathleen and Martin Murray. I don't mind doing it today because I know that they're listening. Uh, And I got a lovely email uh, email from Siobhan and Lisa, Lorraine and Paul and all of the families to say we can celebrate the way we had planned but we'll have something small to mark the occasion. So happy 50th anniversary for the weekend just gone to Kathleen and Martin Murray. And just a quick email to ask the lovely people of Cork if perhaps they found a very sentimental silver locket bracelet. I was in town and also the Blackpool Shopping Centre last Friday. Very sentimental as my mother bought it for me on my 18th and she passed away four years ago. Now there is a reward for it um, now, any information, Lacey says, would be greatly appreciated. I usually don't do lost and founds, but because it's very sentimental, and of course it was bought by a man who's passed away, perhaps somebody somewhere might have come across it. Get in touch. Just text me on 0868104106. But with regards to uh, Hannah and my call with her on Friday morning where she lost, I don't know what happened to her 1,200 euro. Uh, all I know is that she went to the post office, she collected four weeks, she only goes once a month, doesn't get out of very often, she's well into her 80s and she got her four weeks pension plus the Christmas bonus, went to Aldi and it's gone. So thankfully many, many people wanted to cri- contribute and here's some selections of texts from people who got in touch uh, while I was chatting with Hannah on the air. That poor woman, I'm crying my eyes out, I'm a single mum of two I don't have much, but I can spare 50 euro for that woman. Please tell me how I can help. Another one here. Perhaps we could set something up and all of us can contribute somehow. Somehow, should God love her? Well, many people did wish to contribute. And then we had a caller who called and she said, I'll replace the entire amount over 1,200 euro. And that has happened. I'm from Bal- And thank you for everybody who did uh, pledge money. I'm from Balafihan. If she needs a lift to and from the post office any day, I'll gladly give her a lift to the post office. I will gladly take her shopping and I will gladly bring her back home. Isn't that wonderful? Oh my God, I'm boiling, bawling, I should say, listening, Neil. What kind of a, what a kind patient man you are, fair play to you. I know, it's no problem. I mean, I, you know, I'll take the time. 
um, to, to chat with anybody, particularly if they're if they're struggling or upset like Hannah was. Uh, we'd love to give our tips. 50 euro towards that lady on air says Sandra, Arlene Sarah and Rebecca who texted from House of Hair. What a beautiful gesture. Their entire tips for the day. I don't know if this is of any help as I only tuned in halfway through hearing the woman losing money but my uncle handed in a handbag that he found in Dunn stores in Ballyvillan yesterday to the security guard. It does help for whomever may have lost a handbag. They should get on to Ballyvillan but poor old Hannah was on the south side and it had nothing to do with Dunn's and Ballyvillan. I'm bawling listening to that lady. Would she like to join me for Christmas Day dinner with my family? I'm so heartbroken for her. What a lovely gesture. And then loads more. Uh, somebody else wanted to give 300 euro. Thank you, Brian. Another person wanted to give 200. Somebody says, I lost my phone in Lidl and Yaw before. And they went into the security room and went through the cameras and, my, and found my phone for me. So I presume they should be able to help her. Hopefully, you'd never know. Um, I mean, I don't know. Did somebody whip it for her and that from her and Aldi? clearly they'd have spotted it if she had dropped it um, please don't talk about people who are living alone it's too dangerous to give out that kind of information on the air I live alone and believe me it's a constant worry about getting older and being on my own okay I'll take that under advisement and thank you for it so anyway if there is an update from uh, that story with regards to uh, getting her pension repaid again I will let you know but in the short term Hannah's okay just two or three texts ahead of the ad break and more call, calls I was once buying a ticket at Bossaris in Dublin when I looked down there was a wallet left on the shelf below the serving hatch it was absolutely stuffed with 50 euro notes and also credit and debit cards I picked it up and handed it to the girl through the hatch she looked at me in disbelief that I was actually handing it in for the following week I had nothing but bad luck maybe I should have kept it no no but it's a pity that you didn't leave your name or your number for the person if they went and picked up their wallet stuffed with 50s and cards that they could have said thank you to you um, when I was going to national school a neighbour found five pounds he got it announced at mass two Sundays in a row no one claimed the money he went to the priest again and told him no one would turn up for it uh, the priest said no one's going to turn up for it now you should just keep it my neighbour went back to Killarney to the friary and got masses offered for people who had no one to pray for them God love him. He's in heaven now. He spent the fiver on masses for people. I mean, amazing times. I found a yellow purse down in Onahincha Beach and handed it in to the chipper uh, shop. The lady who owned it came back looking for me, found out who handed it and sought me out and gave me a fiver for my troubles. Anyway, it's what she said to me that made me laugh. She said, if I hadn't handed it back, she'd have been eating beans on toast for the week. (laughs) Says Chris. You saved her from the beans and toast by giving her back her money. So well done for that. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. I'll get back to texts and emails throughout the course of the morning. But meanwhile, Noreen, good morning. Can you hear me okay? Okay, let me try another line here and see if it works over there. Noreen? Yes. Oh, there you are. How are you? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can. Okay, listen, we were chatting earlier on there about ugly Christmas decorations. You wanted to pick up on that. Yes, uh, well, I, I'm living in Brussels, so I don't normally listen in, but my niece Gillian texted me to say there's well, a lady on talking about ugly decorations. Feel free to listen in from Brussels anytime you want online. But yes, we were talking about the an, uh, the ugly decorations competition. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and, and um, it, uh, I, was, I was amused because um, George, my brother, who passed away in October, 
Now, can I just stop you there and just remind people that you are referring to Father Gerard Galvin, who passed away recently after uh, his long and brave battle with cancer. And I had a lovely chat on air with Father Gerard some months back. Isn't that right? That's the Gerard you're talking about. Yeah, that's Gerard. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder would I make a shower. Lovely the guy, lovely guy. Um, anyway, tell me about the uh, the competition or the uh, the back and forth. Well, Gerard was... He was absolutely strong in giving people gifts. He was just such a great gift giver. Real thoughtful gifts and beautiful gifts and everything. And, you know, so we were always trying to find nice things to give him when it was Christmas or whatever. And this one year, anyway, I happened to have, I don't know where it came from, but I happened to have this beautiful red box. It was kind of like a red velvet box with a bow on it. It was a really gorgeous box. And I thought, oh, that would be lovely for a gift. Anyway, I had nothing to put in it. And then one day I was out, I came across this decoration, this seriously ugly lump of a thing. Not as expensive yoke, they're expensive, uh, these ugly decorations. The ugly ones are dearer than the pretty ones, are they? They are, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I put the ugly decoration in the box, wrapped it all up in the bow and everything, and brought it home to him. And he was delighted to get the gift. And he was like, oh, it's beautiful. He always really liked to get nice gifts. And the fact that it was so lovely wrapped and everything. And then he opened it. He's like, right. What was it? What was it, Noreen? Can you describe it? It was like a really fast, ugly, round, kind of, I was going to say woman. Big, fat, fat, fat angel, but with a really ugly face, ugly clothing on, everything. So just awful. So it was an ugly, ugly fat angel. Yeah, but it, an angel. Now I'm not sure that you could even call it an angel, but like, <laughs> it had wings on it anyway. It's a long time since I've seen that one. That's a long. So did that? Anyway. Did that start the challenge then with him back to you? Was it? Well, he just kind of said when he saw it, he just kind of said, "You pay for that," and I was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> and then the following year, I decided right. I was out somewhere and I saw another one, and I gave him one, and he used sends me every year at Christmas because I always stay in Brussels for Christmas. He used to send me a box full of stuff like all the goodies that you'd love, you know, boxes of chocolate Kimberly and biscuits and, um, you know, there would be gifts in his books and candles and gifts for the kids and my husband and everything. Be so thoughtful, wasn't he? One box in it that would have the ugly decoration. What was it? Like, what would he have sent you? Well, my favourite one is I have a pink pig. She's kind of, she's a real fat pig. And she has a little pair of loaded boots on her, and she even has a little pair of fishnet ankle socks <laughs> and a tutu. That's kind of racy, is it? A racy pig. <laughs> well, I don't even know if she's racy. She's just so ugly, you couldn't imagine. And I have a, a, a lovely kind of, I suppose, a donkey. You cut her a nest or something, I don't know. But she has a necklace and her hair, and she has a lovely skirt on her as well with lovely boots. And <laughs> I have a big mat. Big Mac burger that he gave me. <laughs> I have uh, fancy with um, um, with like um, a set of slippers and um, a ring as if you were going swimming. A um, swimming I ring. Had, <laughs> these are decorations to go. Hang on a second. All of these hang on the tree, do they? Oh yeah, yeah, and they are put on my tree every year. My so you actually have the Big Mac up on your Christmas tree to hear the burger. Of course I do. Of course I do. <laughs> where was he finding all of these from, Jared? But I, I don't know where he got them, but I know that one year, and that one, I was so mad. I shattered, it shattered, it fell out of my hand one year, and I broke it. And he, I know that he had got that. A friend of his had brought it from 
the state for him. He was ruthless in this. But he was ruthless. He was getting the ugliest decorations. Now, I did kick him a few years. And then one year, it was really funny. I gave him a really ugly green frog with a little red battery bikini on. <laughs> and the same year, he gave me a green frog with a pair of swimming trunks on. I couldn't believe it. We just I guess there is some shop somewhere that just sells ugly Christmas decorations. <laughs> well, I can tell you, uh, I I had my two two of my very dear friends were here one Christmas evening <laughs> in Amelda, and we were downtown at the Christmas fair in in Belgium in Brook Centre, and there was a stall selling decorations. So we were looking for one, three of us for him, and I we were looking and looking, and the lady was saying, you know, can I help you? And we said, yeah, we're looking for um, we're looking for an ugly Christmas decoration. Oh, she looked at us so indignantly. And she said, oh, I don't sell ugly decorations. <laughs> and like, okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> You're losing out on business, woman. You should have a, an ugly Christmas decoration section. <laughs> yeah, she was, she was not impressed with us even pretending that there might be something Oh, ugly my God, that's you know. amazing. He was a ruthless devil, wasn't he, in his way? Fairness to him. And last year I gave him, um, I sent him home, um, it was a green crocodile on a surfboard, like the decoration, like a sparkly one. And I hadn't obviously not been able to go home because I hadn't seen him, I didn't see him in a year and a half um, because of COVID. Um, And when I went home in August, the crocodile was sitting on a piece of pottery up on his mantelpiece. And I said, what, what's that doing there? Uh, no. And he said, oh, nobody was allowed to put that away. I told everybody that's staying there on ignoring Oh, he's the loveliest down. guy. I had such great chats with him. That was a beautiful chat he had on air with me. He sadly missed, isn't he, the misfortune. He's a yeah. lovely, lovely guy. You must miss him terribly. Yeah, I, 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 I found it very hard now when I was putting up the Christmas tree the other day and uh, taking the motion. You know, when you, you want to be careful with things, you're absolutely terrified you're going to drop them. I know, but you need to keep using them. Separate. You need to keep putting them up and mind them. And who knows, somebody oh, else might pick up the tradition with you. <laughs> my, my my tree is like the tree of someone with a split personality because my sister Mary sends me these beautiful new bridge decorations. <laughs> so I have a load of them. And then on the other side, I have a, well, not on the other side, I have these other ugly things. So I think anybody that comes, you know, sometimes people like to look at the decorations. Yeah. They must look at it and think, this woman like she likes to think she has good taste. Yeah, no, split personality is what they're thinking actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. But yeah, that was Jared and my our thing. So I hope I didn't do it this year, but I will I will hope to um go through his own decorations at home and retrieve all the ugly ones. Oh, we keep the tradition going, absolutely. Put them back onto my own tree. All right. Well listen, lovely to chat with you. Thank you so much, Noreen. Appreciate you taking the call. All right. And a happy Christmas to everybody. Um, in Ireland um, to all my friends and family and to you all in Brussels as well have a lovely Christmas time you and all of your family alright thank you and stay safe mind yourself cheers bye take care of yourself actually talking about having a lovely Christmas time I just referenced there earlier on and my apologies for the the quality of the phone lines we've reverted back to old-fashioned phone lines to see if that'll sort our problem. We're talking about giving people a lovely Christmas. I mentioned there, story in the Echo this morning, 75 people treated to free haircuts, Christmas dinner and presents. Who did it? Uh, Joe Byrne from Joe's Hair Salon out in Glasheen. And I know he'll have a fit now because I kept him waiting so long and he's got a busy, busy morning with lots of customers standing by. So he stepped away from the sink and put down the scissors. Joseph! 
Good morning, Neil, my friend. How are you? My apologies for keeping you waiting. Um, not Neil, only... Not I, don't, I don't wait, Neil. I hand, one, I hand the phone to one of my staff. <laughs> so are you actually... Hand it to me. Oh, I see. So you, it's not a case that you're actually doing someone's hair and a staff member has the phone up to your ear or anything. You're that no, popular. No, it's a case that I'm doing the hair and they're standing a little bit away from me with the phone in the hand waiting All for right, me to take okay, it off. Because okay. this is a busy oh. time, right? Oh, crazy, crazy. You've no idea. And then with COVID and everything and staff and the whole lot, it's a crazy time. Because you'd wonder where people, I suppose people are still going out. They're just going out in smaller numbers and they're trying to make the best of it, aren't they? Yeah, and they're not going out. They want to feel well for themselves. You know what I mean? It's, they're doing it for themselves as well. Never mind so you. Nev- now, a lot of Christmas parties have cancelled things, things like that, you know, for, ah, yeah. for going out for dinner and things. But, but most people go out and get their hair done. They'll get their hair done stuff. anyway, you're absolutely right, because they want to look yeah. good. And if your hair looks and good. I think for a bit of banter and abuse from Joe, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, and, the, the, the fortnightly abuse session as you get the hair done. Yeah. yeah. You can't beat it. It's good therapy, I suppose. <clears throat> Absolutely, music. I mean, for the crack. But listen, never mind your miracle on 34th Street. There was a miracle on Glasheen Road there recently. You've done it yet again. Tell everybody what you did. Amazing, amazing day. Yes, to Neil. We had um, free haircuts. We do every Christmas and kind of, you know, a bit all year round. But we make it a big event on Christmas. But this year, Flannery gave us our marquee and supplied hot food dinners and... We had amazing gifts. We had Santa, we had a band, we had Jerry Kearney, the magician for the kids. We just had an amazing a day, amazing event. It's an annual event now, Neil. It's something we'll be doing every year, but it was just fantastic. I'm on a, well, I'd say emotionally drained and physically drained. It must have been a long day. Well done to Flannery's for coming on board with all of the food, because that's a oh, lot yeah, of people to feed. Who, like 75 people who otherwise wouldn't have had a haircut or a hot meal. They wouldn't have had a haircut or a hot meal. And you know something? They wouldn't have even had the, you know, the magician, the gifts. The gifts were amazing because we got donated some amazing stuff. Neil, absolutely. I'm, I'm talking now, Neil, about, you know, books, story books, jigsaws, teddy bears, cushions, blankets, all sorts of things, pajamas. There's humongous amounts of selection, but people went with bags and stuff. Go away. And John Gaffney and Pat Murray, I must say, from Flanders, made it so special because of the them social distance. Now you'll all be able to go over the marquee and come back over then to the salon and get the hair done back again. The kids will say, oh, can I go back to the party? You know what I mean? Look, get the hair done, then they're mad to go back again. Absolutely, because you were the Kinsale uh, Qu- Singers Choir there. So, so the so Echo this morning is saying know, that it was... They were, they well, were supposed to be there and um, for the King St. Voices, but they weren't because of COVID. They didn't come. Right. So we had a band there, I can't, a cricket, I can't think of their name now. They volunteered, they were very good. Yourself and, and Darren, yourself and Darren didn't do a duet or a couple of Christmas songs yourselves, no? Well, I did a bit of a Michael Flatley, I was, um, <laughs> which, which went down very well. I'm thinking, um, you th- you think it. it went down well anyway, do you? My coordination wouldn't be great now. My coordination was a scissors, was fantastic. That's right. My Your coordination is limited to the fingers. <laughs> Absolutely. But Neil, I'd just say, like, there was there was two or three people really touched. Now, one woman, she came out, she started crying, you know, and she said to me, you've no idea, she said, oh, what this means to me personally. She said, just get my hair done, get it restyled, and just do something for herself, because she's doing everything for the kids, you know. Because we know that those that were with you yesterday were homeless or living in refuge uh, or, you know, might have been, yeah. uh, they could have been in, in Coonley or Edel because Coonley, of domestic yeah, violence yeah. and things like that. Yeah, very much. And so many. And the kids? Little fella, one little fella, I think he was, 
He was a young fella, Neil, but he's actually minding his mother. Just heartbreaking. He was a lovely lad. He was staying up in some hotel near the airport. God on And, you know, but just, and can I go back to the party now after getting his hair done, you know, and he was minding the few bag things he got. Will they be okay now if I go and get my hair done? I said, it will, of course. And it was just, it was just lovely. You must have found that very that. emotional, the stories like that. Very much, very much. And, you know, it's the gratitude from people is, is fantastic, but I really do know I can't emphasize this. Not a charity, it's an event, it's a fun day, it's a Christmas day for people, you know what I mean? And anyone coming in, I said, This is not a charity, guys, for the grace of God, it could have been any of us at any time. You know yeah, what I mean? I know. But some very, very sad stories. And I described, we went to home last with Dom and sitting in front of the fire, watching telly, you know, go to fridge, anything we want to have, we can have. Yeah. And when you're just thinking of people going back to rooms... Four walls. Yeah, four four walls. walls. Exactly. You know, they didn't really want to leave. The atmosphere was so lovely and it's just, I don't know, it's it's a very, very special time, Neil. It really is. And the generosity of people and flashy notes was down Wilson, Poker and Cox City are amazing. Ah, but you as well and all of your staff, in fairness. And everybody got the full Christmas dinner, the works. They got no. It was changed from dinner to Christmas dinner, Neil. Because what was happening is, if you sit down for Christmas dinner and you say something, "Oh, come over, you need it for your haircut," right. it wouldn't have worked because it's, I'm telling you, the staff just worked literally from ten o'clock, cut, 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 blow dry style, size all day, no stopping. So you literally, when you have people gone, sanitized more people in. So what they did is that they had soup, sandwiches, sausages chicken goujons all this stuff much right? more practical yeah on the much hoof much more practical yeah. yeah they want to do sit down meal nice John that wouldn't work out at all because people need people to be leaving the meal half eaten and they'll be back and forth exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. then ready to go back then to the spot again and keep the spot and, and he was much more of a party atmosphere doing it the way you did oh, it totally yeah. yeah and there was oh there was hats there was crackers there was everything so great now, you know, we started this meal about 10 years ten ago, years ago it's yeah. got bigger and bigger now, and it, it, it's great, it's an event we do every year. But Neil, just, you know, before you go on a serious note, you know, homelessness and and domestic violence isn't just for Christmas, this is something I try and do every, all year round, but on a quieter, you know, level. Yeah. There'll be someone coming to me now next week, no one will know, she'll be getting the hair done, which is from a one of the services the yeah. just wouldn't be able to come out in front of all these people yes some people would be nervous embarrassed and shy you know, yeah, well. yeah, yeah if we all do if we all do the likes of what you do you feel better about it you make the world a better place and a happier place and, and in giving you ultimately will receive it's it's oh, it's very know, simple really isn't it you come even the girls they were so exhausted and they sat down afterwards and families had a bite to eat and they want a high yeah. absolutely high from the given of it yeah blown away you by know, the generosity of the people as well yeah yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's what Christmas is about and that's what it, you know it should be all about we're we're fortunate to have what we have others told me you know what I mean and it's, it's I love it. I don't think sure. I'm going to get. I don't think I'm going to ch- get a chance to uh, chat to you again this side of Christmas. You never know. But if I don't, well, to you and all of the something staff, mad, something mad could happen. Yes, and I'd be on to You never know. But in, in the event of that not happening, thanks for everything throughout the course of the year, Joe. You and all of your staff and everybody at the salon and your long suffering suffering husband, Darren. I sent him a My special Christmas greeting. Darren, yeah, the poor man. But Neil, thank you as well and all your listeners because I couldn't do their support because right. I'm not. Too, you know, people drop stuff into the. I know it. Like I know it. And listen, we'll continue the journey in 2022. Mind yourself, Joe. Thanks, Neil. Take care. Cheers, kid. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We wish you the merriest, the merriest, the merriest, the merriest.
wish you the merriest the Sinatra and Bing Crosby, we wish you the happiest, the happiest, happy Christmas. Um, actually, I got called to task on Friday for missing out on one of our Christmas traditions from Bear Island, so I have to make it right. These are my Christmas memories from Bear Island. I have great memories of when we were young on Christmas Eve. That's a, You know what? I wonder, do I prefer Christmas Eve to Christmas Day? I think I do. I particularly love Christmas Eve night, to be honest with you. Anyway, the excitement was something else on Christmas Eve. Well, the build-up was great. It started on our way to school one morning, there in Murphy's shop. One of the two windows was filled with toys. Well, the excitement of it. Our noses would be pressed up against the glass every morning after that on the way to school and home again. That was in the late 1950s. Then on Christmas Eve, we went up to the village and did the big shop. Mrs. Murphy always came into the shop and gave everyone a free Christmas cake. Well, we all wanted the little robin ornament on the icing after that and we went into Desi's shop next door for our lemonade. We then walked home and at this stage it was dusk on Christmas Eve. We went down the garden to the holly tree and got the holly and put it behind all of the pictures in the house. Then the youngest in the family lit the big red candle candle on the porch and then the smaller white ones in every window in the house. Then we ran up to the top of the hill to look at all of the lights and also to look out at the mainland, all lit up and across at Carberry. Then the ham would be gone on cooking and we listened to Ned Kelly, the Shanachie on the radio and then the message of Santi and the time that he was leaving the North Pole. And that's a beautiful, beautiful text on the Christmas memories from Bear Island way back in the day. I love it. I love stories like that. Keep sharing them. Even though we don't have a competition on for it anymore, we'd love to hear the stories. So text 0868104106, email neil at redfm.ie. And did you notice as well from that text that way back in the day, it wasn't weeks and weeks of build-up and buying and frenetically searching for presents and spending money. A lot of the time it was the day or two days before Christmas that everybody quietly went about their business and got their cake and got their lemonade and, you know, got their pudding ready and went out and bought a few gifts, whatever the case may be. And it was a much calmer and perhaps better time, I wonder. Um, in that regard anyway, there wasn't as much pressure and not as much money spent on it and people getting themselves into debt uh, all for one day. Back after the break on 1850 104 106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850 104 106. Red FM. Very important phone line these days, busier than ever. And this week, we will be very busy with the phones around about 10 minutes to midday when we give away our first of our weekly gifts from Blue Haven Collection. Now, the Blue Haven Collection of beautiful hotels and also Vicky's Kitchen and Gardens up on Sunday as well which is a fabulous place for a brunch or one of the bottomless brunches that I'll be giving away on Friday. But for today, three winners every day this week and we have three winners who will win an overnight stay for two at the Blue Haven Hotel in Kinsale. That's today's prize. So three winners, overnight stay at the Blue Haven. It's a midweek prize. You'll get down there during the week on a week that suits you. Don't worry about that. So you're listening out for the clue to call for three winners, callers 10, 11 and 12. And it's very straightforward, very simple. It's sleigh bells. When you hear those just before midday, pick up the phone on one 104 106 Callers 10, 11 and 12. Win an overnight stay for two at the Blue Haven Hotel in Kinsale. And off you go and enjoy it. All right, that's a little later on this morning. Meanwhile, back to the phone lines. We're going do bear with me with phone lines these days. My apologies. Brian, good morning. Welcome back, pal. Are you here? Can you hear me okay? I can hear you there perfectly. Okay, because I'm never quite sure what line you're on. So there you are. So you were coming back from France, was it? 
Yeah, I was working last week in um, France in Lyon and came back in through Paris Charles de Gaulle Airport on um, Thursday. Had got my PCR, PCR test um, before I, 72 hours before I went, etc. Carefully timed it to make sure it's still going to be valid. Yeah. But anyway, I came back in through Dublin Airport. Now, wait a second. Uh, when you got on the plane on the other side, what was the drill there? Um, there was no checks anywhere getting on the plane. What, what, what airport? Charles de Gaulle? Uh, Charles de Gaulle, yes. Yeah. So, so came back into Dublin Airport about three o'clock or so. On, that's, on that's bizarre because I also flew through Charles de Gaulle uh, about 10 days ago and um, uh, they looked at my cert. Um, I think I was the only, I don't know whether they looked at anybody else's, but they certainly checked, they were kind of randomly checking them. Okay, okay. So I, I came back into Dublin Airport about three o'clock or so on Thursday afternoon. I was asked for my passport. Um, wasn't asked for the PCR, wasn't asked for my locator form, and I wasn't asked for my proof of vaccine. Nothing? Nothing. Right. Did you, did you query as to why or anything like that? No? Well, like, to be honest with you, I didn't because I was under pressure to get into the car and, and drive back to Cork. But as far as I could see, nobody else was being asked for anything at that point in time as well. Okay, okay. So it's this emergency legislation that they brought in very rapidly, but they're not following it up. They don't seem to be. And look, I've said it to two or three people over the weekend and they, they, they asked that I would ring you this morning let let you know, I suppose, we're, we're so much talk about lockdown and restrictions, etc. You know, we need to do everything we can at source to try and stop this thing coming into the country. Okay, and I suppose you paid reasonably big money to get that t- test done in advance. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was travelling at reasonably short notice, so I had to get it done on Monday, something like 110, 112 euro or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So and, and yeah. again, watching watching the timing of it to make sure that it would um, the flights weren't going to be late because it was going to be fairly tight for the uh, for the seventy two hours not to expire. So I was kind of peppering it coming through the airport. To be honest with you, do you think maybe they did it randomly on the other side? I mean, I didn't need a PCR because I came back before the Friday deadline at the time, but I certainly had a locator form that nobody seemed to be terribly interested in. But do you think that maybe they might just check random flights, maybe? I, I, I don't know, Neil. I mean, I've travelled a bit recently and I haven't been asked for any of these documents on any of the occasions. Anywhere. Um, be it Cork or Dublin Airport. Um, oh. Or overseas. That's amazing, isn't it? You think that they would be following up? You would, would, would have thought so. Yeah. 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 Okay, that's weird. I mean, it's not the first call I've heard like that, you know. But they, 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 they clearly looked at your passport, though, did they? Well, they <laughs> I guess, of course, we look at the passport, Neil, absolutely. But yes. nothing else? Okay. Nothing else. Nothing else at all. All right, my man, appreciate that. Thank you. It's always Thanks to get updates like that. Time. Here's another one, actually, another observation. This is by, uh, by email. Not generally one to get in touch with the radio station. I do prefer to listen, but I said I would because this made my blood boil. Anyway, the story is, I was at a friend's house. I was at a friend's house warming party last week. And they have a 21-year-old daughter. She lives with eight other college-going students in town. I got talking with that group at one point in the night. I joined them when I heard them all laughing so heartily and having so much fun. I casually said, I need some of whatever year on. And at that point, they went on to explain that what they were laughing at was at how much money they were all making on the pup while still continuing to work for cash, cash jobs, since it all began. So I delved a little further. It transpired none of them ever earned more than 100 to 200 per week on casual work prior to PUP, and we're all getting approximately 600 euro per week between PUP and cash from working. 
I can name some of the businesses they mentioned, if you like. They went on to explain that almost everyone they know in college is on some form of pup and that these people would generally be working part-time jobs, especially in the run-up to Christmas. But why would they? Uh, and they're laughing at it and think the government are absolute dopes and a walkover to be handing it out to them the way they are. And then we have all these businesses who can't, can't find staff and have had to close or restrict their opening hours. Is it any wonder? Once again, the government are killing the country. If you ever get a chance to ask Michael McGrath about it, please do so. And who'll be paying this back for decades to come? Us and the kids of the next generations. Just wondering if any other students can shed some honest light on this. Well, you're telling me what I hope is the accurate truth and being honest, and the group you spoke to are on the pop and are laughing it up because they're also working for cash. And you are right on the other side of it then. Many businesses can't get people to work, and maybe that's one of the reasons why. Thank you for that email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. Meanwhile, I did mention earlier on, and that's got a lot of text going as well from the papers this morning. The Mail said they did a survey, and the people they surveyed, they were asked the question as to whether there should be mandatory COVID vaccinations. I wouldn't be bringing it up again, apart from the fact that there were calls and texts on it. And the Mail said in their survey, should vaccinations become mandatory? 55% of people said yes, and 38% of people said no. And they say that this is capturing the public's frustration at those failing to take up the vaccine. Mind you, we're way ahead of any other European country with the amount of people who have taken up the vaccine, but there's still people wagging the finger at those that have not. So that's the survey. How they would impose mandatory vaccinations, I have no idea. They wouldn't pin you to a, a gurney or a, a, a you know a bed and inject you, I'm quite sure of that. But they might restrict movements even more than they have done already. And it could have an effect on people's employment, I suppose. Anyway, John, good morning. What was it you described as atrocious? Is it? Yeah, I mean, I, I reckon. I mean, I know. You, you you could have serious problems on the streets if they even attempted to consider going down this road. For the simple reason, I can't believe that fifty. No, uh, uh, part of me, the conspiracy theorist, maybe in me, right, believes that a lot of this is spin by the government. I mean, these polls that come up from time to time, and they get more frequent now, Neil, as regards like the unvaccinated being the pariahs of society, like myself. And I am not an anti-vaxxer. I just got the flu injection about five weeks ago. So that makes me uh, uh, not one of these anti-vaxxers. And a lot of my other friends have got the flu injection as well, but they're not getting this one. Uh, But it's just just an opinion, Paul. It, It doesn't hold any weight other than that. Yeah, but you see what's happening in Europe now where Ursula Lavandola, you know, I mean, she believes in mandatory, like, no good look with that Ursula because she'd want to look to her world history and where she comes from and what... what but what would it mean, though? Yeah, yeah, I know you're re- referencing the, the yeah. Nazis and things like yeah. that. Well, okay. But what would, what would mandatory mean? It would only be mandatory with regards to being able to go to work, right? Say, healthcare workers, yeah? Well, well, if, well, if they, they could, like, if you really went down the mandatory road, they could extend it all to all work that all employers would be told you'd be fined heavily if you haven't got proof that all of your employees are vaccinated. They could also go down the road of stopping payments like pensions, like disabilities, like any form of government payments, children's allowance. I mean, that that's through the dangerous world. No, I don't... Oh, that you wouldn't be paid out any government services payments yeah, unless you presented you proof. proof. that you, got, uh, you are vaccinated that you wouldn't get any social welfare, you wouldn't get any pensions paid out, any disability of any sort. That's stretching it though, isn't it a bit? It is stretching it, I know that. I'm looking at the worst case scenario, but you see, when you mentioned the word mandatory, 
it scares the bejesus out of people because, as I said, going back to history, I read right through history and you see like what that kind of mind, mindset got us. Now, I mean, people are sceptical that we're on the fence already. They're doubly on the fence now, for the simple reason. We see the first two vaccines, right, didn't work. They weaned after five to six months. You know, if they get a booster... That doesn't mean they didn't work. Well, you know, I mean, the the protection that they were supposed to give has weaned, right? Now, I met a man the other day, and he just got his booster, and the doctor said, I'll see you in six months for your second booster. So already he's penciling for a second booster. That means in the month of May, he'd be getting it. So does he get another one then six months after that again and another six months? Does it go on forever? But could you imagine the calamitous situation we'd be in if there wasn't vaccines or if there wasn't a booster rollout? Well, well, well this is what we're no? told. But I mean, like at the very start, I mean, you have the, the man who's become almost a rock star now, Luke O'Neill. I mean, telling us like, I mean, that, this, that most people, 98% of people would get this and it would be like a, just a cold, a mild flu or whatever. And all of a sudden it went from that to Armageddon. Now, Leo Varadka told us, you remember that when he was in Washington, when he frightened the bejesus out of all of us, he told us that there was going to be thousands dead, thousands and thousands. Now, so they are that would have been, I know, I hate revisiting history, but you have to be accurate about it. That was if nothing was done and if people didn't pull their weight, and they did. Well, at that stage, we didn't even have the vaccines. I mean, it was all down to, you know, social distancing or whatever and doing the best you could. Yeah, but they are, they are now saying that if, I'm reading from the article, if you consider the data, you will find that managed settings have the lowest incidence of infections in terms of cafes, bars, theatres, cinemas, restaurant settings. And why is that? Because COVID certs are being examined more so than ever now. Yeah, but you see the trouble... Masks are being used. The, the, the likes of me and toes more, didn't you? Like, I mean... Like, I'm locked out of society, you know, we're like 1994 was the end of the in South Africa. But this started here in 2021. Like, I have a right to go into any pub or restaurant, like, I mean, and I can wear my mask, I mean, but then when I'm eating, obviously, I, I can't. I, I should be allowed to go into for a pub. Are you missing uh, all of that? Of course I am, and, and, and all of my friends are missing. We haven't seen each other for ages and ages and ages. But you don't have to meet in a pub or a restaurant. Well, you don't, you know that, but I mean, the thing is that people who are sceptical about even each other's houses because people were frightened, I mean, of this thing that was out there. But what I don't like is this, this, this thing that constantly seems to become creeping in lately, that, like, let's, let's have a bash off of the unvaccinated. Let's blame the unvaccinated for everything. It's not our fault, like, you mean, that this thing came in the first place. And it's not our fault, like, just that we are, as I said, not anti-vaxxers, but we're just suspicious about this vaccine. Like, and that's all bodily integrity, and it's all right to say no. I know, but you you could be you could be labelled as anti-everything, though, couldn't you? Oh, that. Yeah, I mean, like, you're the kind of a guy like you 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 like to protest, you like to go to rallies, you like to picket, you like to, and a lot of the time you're right. It's it's to right or wrong. Well, most most contrary what people might think. You see, when you go down the road, I possibly went down over the years, and been on many times, which you said for the water campaign which was very successful. Um, like, it's it's something that I believe in, but I don't just turn up like, I mean, I say, any business or any, what, Tom Dick or Yeah, okay, you're motivated by something you do believe that, in. That, that yeah. There are two causes, any, anything I ever got involved in, like, for life now, or the water campaign, right? But, like, the, the bottom line, Neil, is that people have a right to say no. And I, I hear to see, we already had a civil war in this country once, going back to history again. Do we want another one where the vaccinators turn and the unvaccinated, are we going to be the pariahs? Are we going to be locked out of society forever? 
Well, I think the, 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 the information coming through now, this Omicron won't be as bad as everybody had been worried about it, but it certainly will lengthen the time delay before you guys get indoors again. Well, that's the problem, as I said. Are we ever going to be allowed in, maybe? That's, that's the big question mark. Nobody can answer me that. And I rang up all the departments and everything. In. I rang up TD's offices and all. I said, can you tell me, like, I mean, when we the unvaccinated? We were told at the start, if you remember, if they got 70 to 80% of vaccination, that that would open up society. We were supposed to open up on 22nd of October, but that didn't happen, right? So I can't get any answer from any TV's office. Because, right? of the, because of the fact that too many beds were being taken up in hospitals and in ICU by unvaccinated sick people. Well, you see, Neil, we were promised for that. We were told... We well, wasn't that the case? That was the number. No, no, that we, were, we were told we needed 500 ICU beds and they were never delivered. Well, I know that. And it, it took yeah. a pandemic you know, before they actually re- revisited that again. Okay. All right. Let's get some more thoughts on it. Thanks as always, John. Appreciate yeah, well, it. Thanks. By text. Disappointed to hear you mention the mandatory vaccination poll this morning, Neil. A virus that has a 99% survival rate. It's incredibly disturbing it's Disturbing that you would even be talking about mandatory vaccination. Well, the reason I mentioned it this morning is a poll that was done by the, the Daily Mail. Uh, the so-called Omicron virus causes a mild headache. Can you not please report that? The people in hospital with Omicron are in hospital for other reasons and not because of it, Omicron alone. It's all getting a bit boring now. But keep talking about your boosters and bring on the clots, says Sean in Douglas. P.S. I had the so-called Delta variant and it was a piece of P.I.S.S. Sniffles for two days and right as rain afterwards. And I'm in my 50s. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Whether it's mandatory vaccinations or not, uh, some people wouldn't even feel safe when they go into certain places that aren't even following the rules they're supposed to be following. Says I was out last night. This would have been maybe during the middle of last week. Uh, I was out with my partner uh, in a Cork pub. No COVID guidelines being followed by the bar staff, including the owner. And some, but not all, the security personnel had masks, but some did not. Walking around with no masks on, letting other customers walk freely around the bar, even to the counter, ordering drinks at the counter, no masks on. When we asked the owner why this was happening, his reply on two occasions was, I can't hear you. Then he replied, if you don't like it, you can just leave. And we did. Is this acceptable? I don't think the current case number, this should be happening. I'd love to stay anonymous if you decide to talk about it. Um, God knows, I suppose there are other people who have stories like that to share. Uh, by text to 0868104106 if you want to get in touch. Um, sadly, you know, you talk about people who um, uh, have uh, uh, money issues or lose money. A very regular caller of ours has lost a large sum of money. Lost it on Saturday, just gone between the North Main Street and Patrick Street. Very genuine and he's very upset and it is a substantial amount of money. And it was for the Christmas presents and the bills. He said he would offer a reward. He hasn't even told his family yet. And we are talking about a few thousand euro. Um, I assume now you've checked with uh, different Garda stations in the area, which probably would be the Bridewell and maybe the Anglesey Street as well, and gone into a couple of the shops in the area. God knows there is a slim chance that somebody found it and legged it with it. But in the event that maybe somebody has it and wants to give it back and you get in touch with us, text 0868104106 because this is very genuine. Morning. I live in West Cork and I went up to Cork City yesterday morning to do some shopping. My time was limited, so I couldn't stay around all day. Parked my car at 11 a.m. 
I was surprised, though, to find several shops closed. I couldn't believe that many shops don't open until midday on a Sunday, and some none at all. It's less than two weeks to Christmas. The city was busy, but the shops were closed. Well, I don't know why that would be. You'd think they'd get open. I was in uh, the city yesterday, but it was quite late. It was like 20 minutes to six because I was going to the Panto and the Opera House. I'll tell you more about that later on. But the shops were buzzing and there was a lot of people around and I walked down Opera Lane. In fact, I had a few minutes and I was able to walk in to look at the runners inside and sketchers for five or ten minutes and they were all open for business and that was like easily a quarter to six. But the earlier morning parts of the day, I don't know, it would make more sense to open earlier, I suppose, and use the time um, for people to get in at times when, you know, they're not all crushed in in the afternoon. Anyway, back after 11 on 1850-104-106. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Pick up the phone, 1850-104-106. Emma's standing by, but just ahead of that, Gillian, good morning. Hi, Neil, how are you? I'm good. Absolutely no way that mandatory vaccinations, Mm -hmm. because it's unconstitutional, is it? It is, of course, Neil. It's in our constitution, the blue book. Everyone should have one at home. Um, What would it say? What would it say in the constitution to prevent something like that? It says bodily autonomy and choice. Everybody is entitled to a choice. And in our constitution, it clearly states in the Irish constitution that we all are entitled to a choice and freedom of bodily uh, bodily autonomy. Now, this is only a poll in a newspaper. Now, yeah, I'm not saying that like politicians wouldn't be... Yeah. You know, I mean, it's all like if you look... The thing is, people are not looking at what's going on worldwide. If you look at Austria at the moment, people are being punished because of their choice. They're being fined. There's fines coming in now for people that are not vaccinated, Neil. Mm. I mean, they're, they're planning, they'll be jailing people soon. In Australia, if you look at it, they're just being dragged out of their homes to get vaccinated. It's horrendous what's going on, you know? Uh, but here now, I mean, but I try and stay in. abreast of as much as I can, but I've never heard of anybody being dragged out of their homes. Well, they are in Australia. Dragged out of their physically? They are in Victoria. They are in Melbourne. It's all, it's happening. Nah, you never know. heard. I never like. Yeah, and what are they doing? They drag yeah. them out of their homes and what? Because they, they refuse to get vaccinated. You know, there are certain there are certain people in Australia that were refusing. They have their own, you know, culture and so on, and they are being dragged out of their homes. If they're going through horrendous times at the moment, okay. Well, and I, in Austria, it's, they're getting fined for their choices. And you like the thing is as well, what's going on? And there, no media outlet has spoken about this either. The legislation was passed the other day to state that basically if you, that you can now be literally, um, you can basically be told that if you have suspicion of, if you're under suspicion of having COVID, you can be detained. There's law act, it's after being passed in the legislation by Stephen Donnelly last week and nobody's speaking about this. This is very serious. Uh, you're not mixing that up with bringing back quarantine hotels, are you? No, no, no. It's the legislation that was passed last week in the door. Um, literally now what the TDs voted for was if they think you are basically your doctor could say well I'm suspecting of so and so of being having COVID and if they suspect you of having COVID you can be detained you see, I try, I, I, I try and stay abreast of as much as I can, bearing in mind that I'm trying to talk less about it on air. But I, I know. I, I've got to go away now and check all of those references to people being dragged out in Australia and a law being yeah, passed I in the Dáil. Because I don't know any law that was passed. In, where did you, where did you read that? Where did you see that the Dáil passed a law? Yeah. 
Like, I mean, you only have to... I was actually speaking with Matthew McGrath on Saturday. I, I was speaking with Matthew about the new legislation and Matthew McGrath voted against it. He's horrified about what's going on at the moment. And what would that entail then, that the doctor would tell who? You could get... They could say, well, this person is basically crazy. They have COVID and that they should be detained because they are not vaccinated. They can be detained. What does detained mean, though? Where? I suppose they probably the police would take you away, cart you off somewhere like. Jesus, I'm that across. I'm, I'm, I'm across a lot of the newspapers and online offerings as well on a daily basis. They won't speak about it, Neil. That's the problem. Like everything, that, there's a lot of stuff that's not being spoken about, and the public needs to be aware of what's actually going on. What day? On. No, but look, because I am interested in what you're saying. Yeah. What day was that voted in, in the doll? Oh God, I think it was Thursday or Friday of last week. So if I go away and I check and double check yeah. and. Yeah, there's no. I can actually get the information and I can send it to you if you if you can't find it. Have you got it there in front of you? Not in front of me, but I could get a hold of it. All right, get a hold of it there, and we'll come back to you again maybe this time okay. beside a midday. Okay, cheers for that for now. Anyway, undoubtedly somebody else is listening that might be able to shed some light on that. Please pick up the phone on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. You know, talking about challenging things. I didn't get to this, but it's probably relevant just to read out this quick email. Just checking, talking about challenging things as as Jillian was saying there with regards to the constitutional constitution. Just checking if anyone has experienced any of the following. Now, I received a notice yesterday accusing me of using a mobile phone while driving pay 60 euro now and get three penalty points pay 80 to 120 euro and receive five penalty points i 100 percent was not using a phone what's the deal there if you pay 60 now you get three penalty points if you don't then does it go up to 120 and instead you get five penalty points is that the is that the point this uh, this emailer is making. Anyway, I was 100% not using a phone. I have an earpiece and I do not use my phone. There's an option on the notice to go to court to fight it. But if you do, you lose and you get six penalty points. I drive for a living, so penalty points would be a huge drawback for me. Has anyone gone to court to fight this? Is it worth it? Or do the judges go with the guard's word against the individual's word? I'm very angry about it and I'm very annoyed. I wonder if you could share. So I have done that. You are saying categorically that you were 100% not using the phone. Um, you don't tell me, you know, uh, where you, where you stopped. Was it caught by, a, were you caught by a camera? Were you stopped by a guard who said you were using your phone and you had a bit of banter with the guard? So I don't have any information in that regard. Um, you say that you didn't use the phone. So on, on what basis? Maybe is is it like a photograph, you know, where you're going somewhere where maybe they claim to have a photograph of you with something near your ear or something like that. Um, but you'll be able to go to court, I would think, if you want to. But you need to be kind of like a lot of the time you want to know what the other side have, don't you? Because if you go into court uh, and you delay it and you delay it, there's a chance that you'll get more penalty points and a higher fine. And they might have something that the judge believes over what you're saying. So what I'm saying is, you know, like, you should fight it. I know that. You know, you should fight it because you claim categorically that you didn't have a phone and therefore shouldn't get penalty points and shouldn't pay the 60. But it's a big gamble with regards to people going to court. Um, But I wonder if anybody else has been through a scenario like that where they actually went to court and how they got on challenging penalty points are challenging an accusation that you were on the phone when you were not. And incidentally, that's what you're asking me to do, to find out if anybody has done that. So if anybody has, perhaps they might get in touch 
Text 0868 Pick up the phone on 1850 I have seen the most shocking video and God knows I get sent them all. Um, and to describe it as a car being burnt out doesn't actually do it justice. Emma, good morning. Good morning. This is, is this your car? Yeah, it's my new car. I only got it in April. Um, and yeah, it was just taken from outside our house in Whitechurch on sometime between Saturday night and Sunday morning. Okay, we're just running Sunday the video morning. here again. Now, the video's up on Twitter if anybody wants to have a look at it. It is absolutely yeah. cremated. Yeah. The inside and the outside. What, what, is, what is all the stuff that's burnt out inside in it? Um, it's, yeah, so our car seats, we have two small children, we have a five-year-old and a three-year-old, so they both our car seats were burnt. Um, I had their bikes and, and a flicker in the boot because we were away for when my mom's on the Friday, so, and in my husband's mom, who is up in Churchfield on the Saturday, so they had stuff in there, they had some toys and stuff because we got home late Saturday night. Oh, um so the Christmas to- their toys you're saying not Christmas toys but all of the kids some toy, they were some of their own toys and then we, I, I had about three or four Christmas toys in the booth as okay. well. so Christmas toys and shopping and car seats and the kids bikes and, and trikes bikes, and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, and, and the car yeah. seats for the, for the small the car seats were like we woke up Sunday morning we're like we can't even leave the house now because we live in Whitechurch obviously so like, we have no car seats now tell me about the car new car yeah, it's um, it was a Dacia Duster, um, a two one one like like we're we're not loaded by any means, you know. We worked hard to get that, you know, um, for the kids and stuff like that. No, I drove I drove Dacia Dusters for a while. Yeah. I loved them. They were very yeah. cheap cars. Yeah. With they're, a, they're with handy for the kids and stuff now because I I only have a really old Yaris myself for work because my husband stays at home with the kids, so he um. He uses that to bring them to school and stuff. No, I know, yeah. They're one yeah. of the nicest ones I drove because the yeah. spec in them is very high. The price yeah. is low. They're a great buy. Yeah, So yeah, you got yeah. yourself a damn good SUV that you obviously yeah. worked hard to, to, to save for. Yeah. Went to bed one night or what? Yeah, we, so I went to bed. I was, I was actually up late enough Saturday night. I went to bed about half twelve um, and everything was fine. I turned off the lights outside, the Christmas lights and stuff and we just woke up the next morning and it was gone. We don't know how they took it. Um, it was locked. And the guards are investigating it. Um, the guards actually rang us on um, Sunday morning right after we woke up and discovered the car was gone. I thought it was a joke first. And my dad's a bit of a mess and sometimes would do things like that, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but the guards actually rang us because about two months ago we had a wallet stolen from the car. Now the car was open that night. It was, you know, it, it was our own fault, but there was a wallet. My husband's wallet was stolen um, and there was a hundred euro taken out of it, um, which we're lucky it was small. His cards were left alone. But we're very vigilant now about locking it because of what happened. Um, so the guards had the, the license plate on file. So they, they rang us within a few minutes of us discovering it and they said, look, it's up in, um, it was up in Cushion, Cushion Road in um, off Cotton's Hill and yeah. I don't know the North very well Okay so it came out they drove it all the way from Whitechurch to Cushing yeah. Road Now it's not actually that far like it's only about maybe 8 or 9 kilometres yeah. you can okay. Larney or up the yeah. Blackstone Bridgeway and um, but they discovered it about 10 past 9 in the morning um, on fire there now they did have some CCTV from a house there but they said that they're their faces are covered and stuff. And they uh, but, but did, the okay, so bear in mind that their faces were covered, but yeah. what did they share? Did many people get out of it, run away, douse it with three petrol? Pe- three people, three young boys, they say, got out of it. Um, there was two petrol canisters found in the boot. You can actually see it in the video, the red things in the boot, because the guards asked me where they are, and um, so they obviously brought petrol with them. Um, I don't know how they got the white shirt. I presume someone drove them there. I don't know. I think they walked. Um, and... 
there's just very little but like I'm in a housing estate I'm not in um, I'm, it's on a rural house and like we've we've a lot of building work going on in our estate um, so there's huge floodlights on all night because they're, they're and the CCTV in the in the building site I don't know if our house is covered by that so okay. it's checking it but um, it's very bright where I live like you know with the lights okay. on the street and just like going that. back to where they burnt it out when they yeah. say their faces were covered was it like COVID masks or was it no, balaclavas no it was hoods, hoods. Okay. Yeah, now that's all the guards what time did they burn it out at 10 past 9 in the morning is when the guards found, when the guards were notified yeah but the video footage doesn't tag the time does it no, the, the, I, the, I actually don't know. I didn't. I, I, I moved no, I'm just curious as to whether yeah, they no. drove it all night as they do and drive it around yeah. the place and drive and drive yeah. and drive. And then when they're finished having their fun, they burn it out and go home to bed. Yeah, and like, that's what I'm kind of more annoyed about. Like, they didn't take anything out of the car. You know, they just destroyed everything that was in it. You know, even like, it's just, it just seems very pointless to me. And it's just the time of year and everything, just or, like organising it, like trying to sort this, like the insurance obviously will will be will but be how did you feel that. you obviously went and have you seen the car physically yeah I, that, I took that video that I sent you with the guards rang me and asked me to go up because the guards that rang me said look we don't know what state it's in there's another unit up there you might be able to salvage something um, so I drove up on Sunday morning because obviously my husband couldn't come because we couldn't leave the kids at home and we couldn't take them because we had no car seats so I went up um, Sunday morning um, to the air code they gave me and I took that video then of the car actually completely destroyed. How would you feel about doing, doing that? It was just really upsetting like it, when it's so pointless you know like if they took the car for a joyride and left it alone like and leave it you know I, I, I'd understand that a little bit more I understand the wallet thing you know taking money you know but I don't understand destroying someone's Can't tell how old they are no? Um, no, they, the guards just said young. So like, I didn't see the video footage, um, but they, I know there was a man there talking to the guards when I got there. Um, it just feels like, like even last night, um, like a, a friend of mine gave me a car to borrow so I could come to work today, and my kids go go to school with it. And even all night, like I, I was like checking, like that the car was still there because like obviously it's not mine. And you know, it's just, it's it's just it's just really upsetting when we work so hard to to get this and everything just be destroyed generation of kids after generation yeah, of kids are doing I, this I don't yeah. know and, and they like bring petrol with them said about it, you know because they know obviously like my five old knows what happened like we told them that the car was gone and um, he just like he, he's like why why did they take it why did they take this and um you know, know it's just it just it just seems so I have no idea I yeah, don't know they see others doing it or they think it's a great thing to do and it's a laugh they're vile yeah, individuals it's just, it's they're, just I know they're young and everything yeah, and they're half yeah, and stupid and immature was rifled through as well and they didn't take anything they don't think but um, it's just it's it's just a horrible feeling and like even trying to like the inconvenience of trying to sort like even another car now surely day. you're like because if you need a car we'll hopefully we'll be able to help you but I'm sure that your insurance will get oh, you a car no, my insurance are um, they, like, they've contacted me this morning now and they're they're arranging a car for me and stuff like that and like, like I'm very lucky I have really good family and friends like people dropped me car seats yesterday and you know so I could put them in the other car for now and um, you know, like as I said, someone gave me a car last night so I could get to work today. And I know, but all of the kids' yeah. stuff and everything, and yeah, the Christmas the presents stuff, you had yeah, bought. Like, like. It was my son's birthday only last Sunday, so some of his stuff that he got was there that he brought up to his nana's to play because he was up in his nana's on the Saturday playing with his cousins, so he brought some of the toys up. Like, like the only small things like wrestlers and stuff. But Is there anything just, you need, though? Because I know people would be keen to help out uh, if they can. I, look, I, 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 I didn't kind of send, you know, we didn't send it in. I to, understand um, that. Of course you didn't. You sent it in because you said, I would hate this to 
happened to anyone else. But yeah. okay, so you don't need anything. But in spite of you wanting it not to happen to anybody else, they can yeah. now buy these fobs online that'll pop the lock of any car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and we don't really know what happened because, like, our car is like a push button one, you know. Um, so I, I, we don't really know what. Like, cause we don't. We just don't. We don't know what the guards are looking at it. Obviously, leave nothing in the boot of the car. I know, and isn't I know. that the warning? I mean, it comes as no consolation to you, but leave nothing at all in the car. Yeah. I mean, it won't stop them too. robbing it. But then again, some people keep big presents. The big, you yeah. know the way. Some people yeah, can oh, keep the really yeah, big yeah, present yeah. in the boot. No, and we did have stuff in there, but we moved most of it. Um, to I'm so sorry to hear that. It was just like some dolls and you know my generation stuff. There's only a small little bit. There wasn't loads, so like they'll be replaced. It's just. It's just the inconvenience of oh, it all. Sure, it's like, like, what? that someone was there, you know, like and wanted to just destroy something. I know, I know. I mean, wh- why can't they spend their time doing good things, or yeah, you know, like rather than being destructive little stuff. gouters? <laughs> what? To destroy their own stuff. I don't know. I just don't. I don't get it. Like you know, yeah. and they're you know, like. I don't know. I was in I was in the opera house last night. It was only fifty percent capacity, but yeah. yet every single person, young and old, every generation, was in there yeah. having a great time and enjoying themselves. And like, yeah. that's the kind I, of life I, that we yeah. want, you know. And it's just not the young people going out robbing yeah, cars with petrol cans. It's just yeah, and it's just getting your mind around it all and like trying to sort it all now. It's like it, it's a bit of a headache. Um, just, yeah, I, I, I don't know, it's just, it's, it, it is, look, it, it could have been worse, no one was hurt. I know, it doesn't make it right, I know. But no, listen, it doesn't, it doesn't. Well, you're very good for letting it be a warning to people, and yeah. if people want to see exactly what they can, the damage they can do, in your case, to a yeah. brand new car, we've shared the video of the car burnt out on Twitter right now, and people can check it out for themselves. Yeah. Listen, look after yourself in spite Thank of all so of much. that, Emma. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. It'd be great if the guards have an update on that. You might come back if to me. If they do, I guess, you know, yeah, they start supposed to contact me later today, so I will let you All right, girl. Take care for Thank now. Thank you so Cheers. much. Take Bye-bye. care. And again, the offer is there. If you need anything, do come back to us. Actually, you know, talking about the, the Opera House last night, it was 50%. But you know something? They did three shows yesterday. They had one in the morning, they had one in the after, maybe mid-afternoon or whatever, and they had another one then at six o'clock. So they must have been absolutely worn out. And that's what they're doing at the Opera House in an effort to get as many people who had booked in. They're putting on loads of extra shows. But everybody was in great form and they were very, very on the ball when it came to checking COVID certs and QR codes. Incidentally, if you are going to the Panto and you have your QR, please bring another form of identification because they are following the guidelines there. You need your QR, your vaccination cert or your QR on your phone and another form of ID. Now, everybody was in great form. It's a fabulous panto because at one stage, nobody knew as to whether there would be a pantomime or not at the Opera House and indeed at the Everyman. I haven't been to the Everyman just yet anyway. But the Opera House one, considering what they went through, uh, trying to get it together and, and drive on with it. They did a fantastic production. I thought it was a really great idea. So Frank Mackey is there as Nanny Nelly and, you know, there'd be a revolt if Nanny Nelly didn't come out on the stage and Trevor Ryan and all of the cast. They were brilliant. Trevor actually plays a fella called Balthazar. He's the baddie in the panto this year. But Balthazar, to me, looked exactly like, exactly like the child killer from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Now... When I was a kid, very, very small, I was absolutely petrified. That's putting it mildly and broadcastable of the child catcher. I was really, really afraid of him. He was a dangerous individual. He was a dark, mean, nasty character. I don't know whether anybody watches the old Chitty Chitty Bang Bang anymore. But there he was on stage yesterday. It brought me back to my youth and how afraid and petrified I was of the child catcher and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. But what they did for the panto this year is they took all of the panto characters, 
Um, and all of the fairy tale colors are Ariel, Cinderella, Aladdin, Jack and Jill, Tinkerbell, Fairy Godmother. They all feature in the panto at the Opera House. And they all are part of the storyline. And it's about savings, panto land. But it's a fabulous it's a fabulous production, bearing in mind how difficult it must have been for them to get it on stage. So well done to all concerned. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Michael O'Doherty, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How we've, are been, you? we've been talking over the last couple of days on uh, the media and their um, um, importance or the responsibility of the media when it comes to the last two years uh, and COVID and what we've been living with. And I was very interested to see a recent post that you put up on Instagram. And I quote you, you say, the continuous bombardment of negativity from the media is worse than the virus. You say it's a daily ritual of psychological punishment and trauma. That's fairly heavy hitting. What do you mean? Well, uh, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm reflecting what I'm hearing in my clinic and from a lot of people that I meet that nobody is denying the fact, Neil, that COVID exists and that measures need to be taken. But this hourly, not just daily, this hourly briefing and, and, and bombardment of the same uh, language and terminology that's based on fear, insecurity and uncertainty is actually having a direct effect, not just on the psychological, but on the brains of people. And the psychological, what I'm hearing from parents and of children and need from uh, people coming to the clinic, that they're basically saying they've had enough of it. You know, that how much more can they take? They they acknowledge mm. the responsibility of media to, to deliver, you know, the, the, the problems to society. But ultimately, you know, I think enough is enough. Uh, I think what a lot of people are saying out there enough is enough and that it is having a huge psychological effect. And we only have to look at the increase in the amount of stress and anxiety mm. and depression that's in our society right across the board from children right up there. Mm. I mean, far be, far be it for me to defend the huge amount of COVID information that goes out on a daily basis. I'm critical of it myself, mm. but media would oh. say that surely people have a right to know um, surely people should have to be told all of the truths and all of the facts. I get all that. But unfortunately, what people are people are being uh, fed information today. That's one thing. A week later, it's something else. And it's that uncertainty, uh, you know, about the whole thing, you know. So unfortunately, you know, people really need to get what people are saying to me is they really need to get back living their lives. At the moment, the whole world and society revolves around COVID-19, you know, and it is an issue. And I get it, it's an issue, and that COVID-19 is an issue. And yes, there are responsibilities, but there's also a responsibility on governments and health leaders to look at the other problems that exist. The world just can't revolve but around one condition. But it's, and I don't think, I don't think the rest of the world actually does talk as much about COVID as this country does, to yeah. be honest. Um, that, that's my observation yeah. on it. But, okay, so if you talk about it in that regard, you're talking about politicians, you're talking about members of NEFIT, that get rolled out. Are you talking about the virologists and the epidemiologists as well that are constantly on radio, television, column pieces and newspapers? Yes, and the rhetoric is negative. 
You know, it's all negative. They're not coming out with a solution. You know, we're using words like restrictions, pandemic, epidemics, you know, lockdowns. Yeah. All of this is a negative terminology. And suddenly you nearly like have a soap where everybody's coming on and everybody in every organization, whether it's the teacher's organization, everybody seems to have an opinion and everybody is a virologist and a, a biologist of some sort. Yeah. So, the, so, so the whole idea is, I mean, realistically, when we look at the problems in our health service and we we see the huge lacking capacity to provide a proper healthcare service for our society. Do you do the, do the public do the, do the public honestly think that paying somebody half a million, like the head of the HSE, to come on with the actual chief medical officer and others to say we have one omi or, or whatever you call it, um, new variant, yeah. omi omicron new variant? Just we have we have one omi uh, new new, new variant co- in in in. in yeah. What kind of fear does that put into people? And does the fear then differ depending on their maturity or their age? It does. But the, what people are getting is frustrated, Neil. You know, they're actually getting frustrated because it's like I say, well, is that is the case now going to be that every time like a dog comes into a stray dog comes into your state that everybody runs indoors and closes the doors because they're afraid of the stray dog. Yeah. So but the point I'm making, at what point are we going to say we're going to have to live with these? And yes, you know, I fully support the measures that are taken, but the thing about it is this, that, and yes, we protect the elderly and the vulnerable and those who are immunosuppressed. And yes, I hear all that, but we have to do that with other conditions as well. And like when you see the increases in the, like I see in children, uh, you know, who are suffering hugely from anxiety. Why are you seeing more? Why are you seeing more children? Well, first of all, the since the pandemic, the lack of social connection is a huge issue for children. And when we see the studies that are done uh, oh, since then, and I mean, there was, an, there was a study done, Neil, and I know we hear people talking about wearing face masks and they have a positive role for sure, but we're talking about now with face masks and kids, for example. And uh, Brown University in Rhode Island did a study and the results showed that early learning composite mean result dropped by a whopping 23% from a high of just 119 right down to 77.21. So we're showing even, the, you know, the, the verbal development, you know, the, the, yeah. the, 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 all of the different stages. Yeah, I know, I know that. And we've, dealt, we've also dealt with the windows open and but, it's freezing cold correct. and the heating is off. But, yes, yes, yes. So, Are they in so, so, fear of going to school more and more children? There, there, yeah, there, there is that, but then you take it on to the next level of children who are not socially interacting. So what happens then is they're opting out of society and they're engaging in a social media platform, which is where the world is going for sure. But parents and children don't, don't, don't seem to understand the actual consequences of that family disconnect that we need to f- try and find some space and time within the home to communicate with children. Because we can't suddenly just look at children's behavior right now and where they're logged onto social media and suddenly medicalize behavior and treat behavior with medication or over-medicalize the whole problem. But we've got to look at the disconnect socially that's happening since COVID started. And that's why you're seeing the increase in social media, or sorry, the increase in, in, in society with anxiety and depression, particularly in our young children, it's absolutely, parents are at their wits in right now and they're the kind of calls that I'm getting, or I might have to, in the car, a parent might ring me for some reason or other, and I have to call maybe one of their family to chat to them about a problem that they have and work in some way to try and help them uh, to overcome their problems. Do you think that that fear and that uncertainty then leads on to physical sickness? 
Absolutely, because the, the, the science of this doesn't need to be doesn't need to be uh, under, uh, understood very simply. But can I give you one simple piece of, of, of pathology in that respect? If we're stressed and anxious, anxious and full of fear, you know, like so, you, you take maybe now today eighty thousand probably children possibly haven't gone to school or refusing to go to school or not attending school for some reason or other. It was it is, it is fair to accept that figure because post COVID nineteen it was up to it was sixty plus thousand. So given I know that when listening to what people are saying it's it's more than that but the, if you take a simple basic principle of it like if we're stressed and anxious okay that affects our gut function hmm. when it affects our gut function well what happens then is that the serotonin pathway becomes affected hmm. so we, when we take in our proteins and they convert to tryptophan uh, foods uh, they, the protein foods they convert to tryptophan to 5-htp to active serotonin to melatonin so if the serotonin is your good mood hormone, your melatonin is your sleep hormone. And these are the two things. People are depressed and yeah. they can't sleep. Yeah. And unfortunately, and you know, we've chatted about this before, there is this adaptation around food. And what we're trying to do is trying to change behavior instead of looking at the nourishment that our children need, that people need, and that social connection is so important. I know, I know, but we are where we're at, you know, and the whole idea is to protect the health service, to keep beds free, to keep the ICU from um, over... Uh, being overstretched or overrun you see that's you know so what do we do okay you know so okay so 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 here's how i look at that right now i honestly believe and i probably will get ridiculed for this but i honestly believe that COVID is being used to protect a failed healthcare service that's a strong statement but i think when we look at it in hard facts if you're running a business you have to look at where the faults and the flaws are so we're being told that it's all about capacity we're being told that it's all about pressure on the health service ever before covid happened the, we, the health service was under pressure. Mm. You know yourself, you've mm. been involved in the media. Come November, right through to January, February, it was overcrowding in hospitals, trolleys, elderly dining trolleys. We had all this rhetoric. COVID comes along and it now seems, and everybody seems to seem to understand this, it now seems that what we're trying to do is punish people punish people to actually uh, protect a failed healthcare mm. system. When you say now, failed, you, know, you mean not enough beds, not enough ICU beds, for instance, not enough when, ventilation when, equipment, not enough staff, everything that goes with that. Well, in 2009, the HSE uh, said that there was a need for 517 uh, ICU beds. Okay? Uh, now, we, not, nothing about that was done. In actual fact, it's been reduced since. You know, we, we know that there's there's a reduction in actual overall hospital beds. Now, the the, the, the reason for that, I, I can't really But my understanding explain. was that in the early, I'm quoting from the Irish Times, they said in the early days of the pandemic, the hospital system had a baseline capacity of 204 ICU beds, but it increased yes. to um, just under 300. So they did add an extra 100. You're saying, I mean, do you agree with that figure or do you think that it's not enough? Well, 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 like the, the thing in, in 2009, that figure was 289. So, I mean, I don't want to say in the 208. So there wasn't an increase of 100. Okay. And the thing about it is our, our, our population has grown. So if our population has grown by half a million since 2009, we need to evolve. So the, the whole idea is that, you know, if we can, if, if we can, if you can increase capacity, I mean, we'll look at the billions that's bumped into the healthcare service. 
you know, why are we looking for, for beds? What happens in four, three, four, five, ten years down the road? You know, and I have no political affiliation to anybody. I'm just merely listening to what the HSC and the to chief medical officer are saying that capacity, that the hospital services overrun. And I get it, doctors and nurses in there are absolutely But right you're saying that they had the time, those in management. Correct. To fix this before yes. COVID came along or any other pandemic like the likes of COVID. I, I would have thought that maybe COVID changed people's life for the better in some regards. I don't mean to sound naive, but didn't they take a step back an awful lot of people and address their work-life balance? Um, you know, a lot of people changed career paths. They moved to the country. They left the country. They, they did more positive things with their life, no? I think initially that happened. But I think what's, uh, because initially there was a bit of a, a buzz around a place that people were working from home, they were with their family, they were out in the gardens, the weather was was good, and there was the expectation that this was short term and people would okay. go back to normal yeah. living. Yeah. Now, the, now, now the situation is we are seeing other types of problems because now people are working from home, but they're working longer. You know, they're sitting, they're sitting at office desks that are not office desks. They might be at a table, they might be at a chair. Yeah. I see the emergence of I see the emergence of people coming to me now with what are called upper crust and lower crust syndrome. So the whole idea is now... Is that spinal pain or something? Is it shoulder pain or neck pain? Yeah, so so, exactly. So upper cross syndrome is where you're leaning across and sitting in a wrong chair. And therefore, this is affecting the upper neck shoulders. And now we're seeing the lower back problems as well. So we're seeing people sitting on hard chairs at a computer or maybe sitting in a bed or whatever. So the whole posture thing is causing... And I see a lot of this now. And then they're at home... And it's, it's one thing if you're working from home or if you're working remotely. If you're working remotely and it's outside your home, that's fine. But if you're working in your home and your kids are there or you have a TV on, there's other distractions. So people, while some people will say it's a good thing and they can manage it, but there are other consequences associated with that. But unfortunately, Neil, or fortunately, where the world is going is on to what what we now see Facebook doing. And I suppose the parents need to prepare themselves for that and you and I need to prepare ourselves for that. We are now moving on to a whole new universe away from uh, social media in the sense of the internet and, and, and as we know it and phones in five to 10 years time won't even exist. We'll be on this metaverse and it'll be all animation and virtual and augmented reality. Mm. And that's where the world, that's, that, that's where the world is going. So we need to prepare our children and we need to prepare parents to communicate with their children and, and to understand that. So there's, as, as part from COVID, I think this is one important point I want to make. Apart from the COVID virus itself happening, there's been a massive shift in how we behave, whether it's economically, uh, you know, going into shops, elderly people tapping, using our phones to tap. And, you know, there's a lot more buying online. And mm. there's we, we, we see that COVID has shone a light on lots of domestic problems mm. and, and so much. I know you've discussed all that. So I honestly think that, I honestly think, that there are a lot worse problems in this country than COVID. Well, one of those problems, of course, is the ever-increasing waiting list for hospital appointments. And mm-hmm. by the end mm-hmm. of December, I was just quoting that we probably will approach, approach one million people uh, on waiting lists in, in, in this country. Yes. And amongst them, again, you made the point earlier on, 100,000 of them are children. They say that nine people are being added every single hour to the hospital waiting list in the Republic of Ireland that it'll be one million by the end of December. I mean, that's, how will they ever, how will they ever never. get those numbers it's back? Never, it, it's never going to happen 
in the present model. And and if you have a moment, just I remember listening to a a radio program and I have a huge interest in this area. You know, I remember listening to a radio program some years ago and the radio program was asking one question. Was the present healthcare system reformable? And there was two politicians, there was uh, two healthcare, or two professors of medicine, and there was two IT specialists. And it came to the politicians, the usual, the healthcare uh, medics and the professors said, well, in the present state, possibly not. But in the, when it came to the IT guys, what the IT guys said, listen, health, sir, healthcare is not about science, it's about communication. The, the level of communication to educate the ordinary people how to look after themselves is one of the most important ways. Keep of them out of hospital, per- is it? Keep them out of hospital. No, no, uh, prevention. Yeah. We need to look at prevention. Yeah. What we're doing is we're, we're, it's an after effect. It's a knee-jerk reaction yeah, but and s- trying to deal with it. Yeah, but the problem will and, be... And just, and just, and yeah, go on. Just one thing, Neil, just, just to finish that. The reason why I'm saying this, and this is this is the problem, we are going to see a huge increase in medication possibly on young children because of the anxiety and the depression. Now, if we are to take any, you know, uh, barometer from any country, we have to look at America. Between April 2019 and, uh, or sorry, April 2020 and April 21, one over 100,000 people died from drug overdose. Yeah, but how does that compare? In what way does that relate yeah. to where we're living now? I mean, does that figure stack up with other years or what? No, there's a massive increase. Okay. For the first time, it, there's a massive increase. But the point I'm making was... Is it prescribed like, medication it, overdose death? It's it, Some of them would be fentanyl, some of them would be narcotics, some of them okay. would it's it, from drug overdose. The point the, the, what I'm saying, what the point I'm trying to make here is there is some need within our society where the human being needs to be nourished. You know, we seem to have abandoned who we are as spiritual beings. I mean, for me, in my everyday life, I honestly, genuinely believe that if I had nature, God, something to revert back to uh, in my life, Neil, I honestly don't think I would have been able to cope with the, with the stresses that have come off the last couple of years either. And I think that's a fundamental thing that we can have all the technological advancements, but we need to understand the human being and the nourishment that is that it needs. You know, I was looking at um, a, an article in um, the Financial Times of the weekend where they were talking with different oncologists. One of them said this has been the biggest failure in my 50 years in practice. He was talking about the cancer catastrophe that's amongst us. Colon, breast, lung, brain, prostate, liver, cervix, bowel, bone, spleen. The list went on and on. He said uh, mm. he, he made a point that with cancer, a four week delay in treatment means a 10 percent fa- fall in survival. I thought that was a very powerful statement to make. You imagine the amount of people that are living with with cancer or waiting for a cancer treatment or a diagnosis while all this is going on. Does that ever dwell in your mind? Oh, look, I I mean, I see it every day. I see it every day. I talk to people every day and I'm saying to people, the ordinary people, you know, listen, you need to look after yourself. If you if you want to if you want to be uh, to come to the back of that queue, if you want to be at the back of that queue, then you have to look at your lifestyle. So we know those statistics are frightening and it's a negative thing. But I want to say to people listening to me, 90% of modern day illnesses, cancers, cardiovascular diseases, autoimmune conditions like type two diabetes, rheumatology type issues, 90% of these can be prevented by our lifestyle. But if we have people who are in a cocoon at the moment, you know, who don't know whether they're living or dying or what's happening, who, who seem to see society breaking down all around them, you know, 
then that's bringing huge stress. And when you're hugely stressed, that's the foundation for any illness, Neil. Okay, but that brings me... A a new language. That brings me back to the point that we came in on. And we'll finish on the point we started on. You think there's too much messaging, there's too much bombardment in the media. What what are you suggesting should happen? That there should be one person once a week or or what? I, I think the first thing that people need to do is this. And... Professor Fergus Shanahan wrote a very good book and you might have often heard him in Cork and he wrote a book and it came out last year and it was called, the Lang- if you don't mind me saying, The Language of Illness. And in that book, he makes the point that the doctor consultant at the other side of the desk is using a language and he needs to be aware <clears throat> that the person who's hearing it may not be hearing it the way he'd like it mm. to be heard. Mm. So the point they're making to, to, to media is absolutely I understand your responsibility, but you need to understand the people at the other side of that screen who are watching and listening to this, that it's having an impact. They may not be as resilient. They may not be as cap- well capable. So it might, it's not just news to them. It might be news to the people who are reading it out and so on. But to the people who are listening to it, the vocabulary is traumatic. And it's not, you know, and in that sense, Neil, we just, the first thing is they need to be mindful of that. And if they change the rhetoric slightly, if they at least bring some bit of good news uh, to, 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 to the TV screens and to, to radio programs and things like that. There's some good news. And if these guys coming on said, look, you know, change the language. Yes, we are in a situation and, but, and this is where we're going and this is how we're going to resolve it. But nobody is saying, well, this is how we're going to resolve it. Nobody knows when we're going to get back up on that horse and ride on again. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying to you? Yeah, yeah. There's nobody, there's not one person who will come on TV tonight or radio and say, listen, guys, this is our situation. This is where we're being. They keep saying it's an unfolding situation, you know, like we're almost two years down the road, you know, and if we have to be running away from every variant that's coming to protect the health service, well, then I have to say we're in for a very long haul, Neil, and society is going to get sicker and sicker and sicker. Cheers, Michael. Thanks so much for taking the call. Appreciate it as always. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Neil. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. What Michael Jarty is saying, if, in a nutshell, is that the medical and the you know aspects regarding sickness and diagnoses and consultancy appointments and waiting lists, the medical and the psychological effects of COVID, COVID will be far, far worse than the pandemic ever could or would be. Um, and that's where we're at at these, at these uh, crazy times that we live in. Bear in mind, though, um, that uh, the latest update now is they're talking about the booster jab being rolled out for the 40s and upwards. They're, get, they're reacting now, I think, a lot quicker now because they see what's happening in the UK, where the UK now are saying that they're going to uh, give the booster jab to a million people per day, which means that in the UK uh, they will be going hammer and tongs at it. So anyway, that's where we're at. But I thought it was interesting to get his perspective though, because it's not necessarily COVID-related. It's health and wellness in general and how people have coped over the past uh, couple of years and how we have this train wreck coming down the track with regards to a failed health system anyway. That's probably with us already. The train's already been wrecked. Anyway, lines will stay open at one 106 Bear in mind that the phone lines are dodgy and that's to be kind about it. So you know what this is about. 
three winners callers 10, 11 and 12 and you'll win an overnight stay for two at the Blue Haven Hotel in Kinsale now they're midweek vouchers so you'll go during the week tomorrow we'll have the beautiful beautiful Georgian Old Bank Townhouse in Kinsale we'll have three winners on that one and then we have vouchers on Wednesday for the Blue Haven Collection and on Thursday some more wonderful overnights and on Friday the bottomless brunch on the latest business has been added to the Blue Haven Collection and that is Vicky's up in Sunday as well I love Sunday as well it's a beautiful part of the city and Vicky's Kitchen and Gardens are up in Sunday as well and you can have a wonderful prize on Friday of a bottomless brunch for six people to enjoy in the beautiful sheltered walled gardens in the suburban style of Vicky's in Sunday as well so some great presents there and gifts for you either keep for yourself or to pass them on get dialing on those 1850-104-106 and text 0868-104-106 I'll pick up on winners in a couple of seconds time so three winners lads alright three winners a prize each of an overnight for two at the Blue Haven we'll do those winners after the break The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. And we'll pick it up in the morning before I leave you for the day that's in it. Brita Collins is in Kildinan, uh, Mary Morrissey is in Ahada, and Amanda, Amanda Cody is in Ballyroe in Cloyne down Middleton Way. And for each of you, an overnight stay for two at the Blue Haven Hotel in Kinsale. I love Kinsale. It's great any time of the year. And I imagine it's beautiful at Christmas time. So well done to the three of you, Brita, Mary, and Amanda. Overnight stays for you and whomever you choose to take with you. And lots more of those type prices right across the week. And thanks to everybody at the Blue Haven for that. Meanwhile, from tomorrow, for best calls, best texts, best emails, best way of communicating with us, we have wonderful prizes to give away from McCarthy's Meat Market, not just the Southside one out in Bishopstown, but also uh, for the Gronabraher shop. And we have uh, beautiful, beautiful two and a half kilo turkey breasts with a two and a half kilo half ham and a one and a half kilo spiced beef. All of that is one gift, and we have them to give away right across the week. So that's based on the best call, best text, and best email. So get your thinking caps on, get in touch, share, communicate. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.